0: Does everybody know what time it is? It's time to finally conclude this weird and wacky season of home improvement and also grunt work. That's right, it's the season two
1: spectacular of grunt work.
0: What? <laughs>
1: Welcome to Gruntwork, the most important podcast you'll ever listen to. Without question, <laughs> fuck you cereal. That's right. The all-inclusive show about uh, the TV show Home Improvement. Uh, I am Landon. Don't start calling me Lando Calrissian just because Solo, a Star Wars story, is out. You're not the first person to think of it. I thought this part of my life was over Solano. <laughs> Joined always by Truman the Spectacular Mancaps. <laughs> I feel like a little more forethought went into one of the nicknames this week than the other one. Well, you know what? Until they bring out a uh, television show based on The Truman Show, um, I think you're you're safe for a while to get one of those long-ass nicknames that I just came up with. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Every day...
0: I wake up with the fear that this is the day that Variety is like, ah, you know, Jesse Plemons greenlit for the the Truman Show TV show adaptation. That's really good casting. It, but yeah, you know, it's because they couldn't get Matt Damon. <laughs> And Jim Carrey is too busy doing weird <laughs> pseudo-sexual paintings of Donald Trump. So I think uh, Jesse Plemons is always the man. When you yeah. need when you need somebody for Prestige TV, you chuck Jesse Plemons <laughs> in there. It's true. Um, Truman, it is fantastic to see you. Uh, Landon, it's always fantastic to see you. I would be remiss if I did not mention that you are wearing the home improvement tie.
1: Do you, uh, Outside of the fact that this is our super spectacular, uh, do you know why I'm wearing this tie?
0: Well, uh, because, let's see, you you make big deals into... Wait, I'm sorry. You make small jobs
1: into big deals. (laughs) Uh, I do. um, But uh, there is a very specific reason. Well, well, uh, I mean, is it because this is a home improvement podcast? Is it because I got the tie for you? It is. Yes. But also, it's our one-year anniversary, buddy. Today's our one year? Uh, Well, it's happened. It's kind of a, a vague from, you know, what do you... When is your birthday? Is it when you come out of the vaginal canal, or is it when you were conceived? I mean, obviously it's when you're born, but uh, <laughs> getting real existential the, right out the gate. The Supreme gate. Court has ruled on this land. <laughs> <laughs> Podcasts saying, begin nothing conception. Nothing can't be overturned. Um, uh. Anyhow, I want to say happy one-year podcasting anniversary to you. It's been a strange and fulfilling and bizarre year.
0: Yes, yes, same to you, sir.
1: Uh, and I... I Son of a bitch. <laughs> I got you
0: something. God damn it, Landon. When are we going to get each other gifts at the same time? Oh, Landon. Uh, let
1: me- so I'm wearing this tie in remembrance of the the gift that you got me. And now I have got you a really hard to open bag. Okay,
0: here. here this is some good radio, guys. Listen to this. Yeah, it's a cellophane bag.
1: <laughs> I struggle with condoms the same way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a Binford Tools t-shirt real men don't need instructions Binford tools fuck it I know there's still a tag on it I'm putting it on right now I'm wearing two shirts I like it
1: you're putting the the t-shirt on over your polo shirt which I feel like is a look that I tried to pull off back in uh, high school I'm gonna pop all the collars Uh, Landon thank you so much guys guys you're listening
0: to the best podcast in the world, hosted hosted by by probably one of the greatest friends in in the universe, Landon. This is wonderful. I'm gonna wear the shit out of this shirt. <laughs> I'm going to wear this constantly. I mean, it's no Castleton shirt, but... Uh... Uh, well, you know, I'm, well, Castleton speaks to one of my loves, which is Mystery Science Theater. Elliot Kalen commented on it, NBD, but then this, <laughs> this is what I'll wear if ever we can sit down with some home improvement folks. You'll have your time. Yeah, tile. if we, we ever
1: do another FaceTime and we get frozen on the screen, they'll just happen to see yeah. Binford Tools uh, stuck on their, their screen. Do you think that th- this means Binford is a sponsor of our show now? <laughs> I
0: mean, I, I
1: feel great. Haven't they always been?
0: The only way... In spirit. The only way I could have enjoyed this one wonderful, generous gift more as if Pamela Anderson had walked in like, leading
1: a cow in with this <laughs> shirt on the back of well, it. Well, I was gonna save the surprise for the end of the episode, but bring her in! Oh my god, it's her! <laughs> <laughs> Ms. Anderson,
0: I have so many complaints about your book. <laughs>
1: Oh man, we we've got a packed show for you guys today, yeah. uh, including our review of Star and Starstruck, two different books, uh, which I'm dreading a little bit. But um, if you guys are just tuning in, I mean, this is like, a bad place, to start. <laughs> kind of. But <laughs> if you if you missed the previous uh, Super Spectacular, what you're getting yourselves into here is a two part episode. We we've. Got so much content that we had to break it in half. Yeah, Landon wanted to do one super long episode, and I was like, no, screw our fans, make <laughs> them wait for it. If they want the whole thing, they have to stick around. Uh, and then I conceded with a, uh, let's, let's love our fans and give them twice as much content. Yes, and uh, I say two, twice as much to love. Yeah, so this is part one of part, of of two parts. One Part one of the whole. Part one of the whole. And, you know, just, you know, take a deep breath. <sighs> okay, stretch, stretch, get your leg up, put it behind your head. Just <laughs> try to create a relaxing atmosphere. This is like stressing me out all the time. This sudden. is this is Kam Sutra. Re- <laughs> yeah. I don't have that kind of flexibility. I want I wanna like Landon wants
0: you guys to be relaxed. I want you guys people to maximize your pleasure <laughs> that you receive from this episode. <laughs>
1: More pleasure! Um <laughs> I just you gotta truck forward when they don't work. <laughs> That's, that's also a line from the home improvement porno. Home impornment, you know? So I, I want to I wanna go into this real quick. Uh, I'm going to segue from that because I started listening to this new podcast called Podcast The Ride, and it's a fantastic podcast where three guys talk about um, uh, different roller coasters and theme park, uh, theme park attractions, and I was immediately struck with the idea of, like, what would a home improvement roller coaster look like? Okay. Okay. Outside I'm, of the highest death toll. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Outside of a flaming heap of, of wreckage <laughs> and like a bunch of a bunch of state investigators shaking their heads, uh, I I think every car on the roller coaster would either be a hot rod chassis or a lawnmower. Oh yes. Oh, would it be
1: one of those like racing uh, where you have two tracks side yeah, by side? Yeah, by yeah, side yeah. And you've yeah. Got- is is haunted mansion kind of like that where you're like next to the other ones? This is a guy who's invented oh, Disneyland. Oh god, I haven't in been ten years. No, I don't think so. Haunted Mansion is more of a uh, you, you're spinning around in that thing. You're looking at different things. Um, oh, okay, I think that I think that it would be. I think that the individual
0: cars would be their chassis would be set up in such a way that they would be kind of spinning in circles. I think that the, <laughs> I seem to remember from my childhood at Disneyland that Who Framed Roger Rabbit? The cars would kind of yeah. spin in
1: slow circles so, as they went so through. It's like uh, the Cars ride at uh, um, California Adventure. California Adventure meets the Teacups. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Uh, where you go over a hill and you just keep spinning. I, I think that uh, there would be – I think the theme of
0: it would be up front. Like you'd be in, standing in line. Are we just going to assume this is a Disneyland because Disney – Sure, yeah, this. of course. You're standing in line. They own everything. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, b and uh, Binford. <laughs> they, they're standing in line. Uh, or you're standing in line, and there's like videos from Tim and Al on the way in, talking like, <laughs> I, like this. I, I, "I built this new new ride, <laughs> the most powerful ride ever." Yeah. And Al going like, uh, "Tim, you didn't uh, put. I don't know why this is my voice for Al. <laughs> Al is played by Woody Allen. Uh, uh, I don't think so, Tim. I just, uh, it's not, uh, it's not what you should be doing. It's not very safe."
1: It's not really good either, is it? Uh, no.
0: It's actually Woody Allen's monster. (laughs) Uh, Woody Allen actually is a monster because he molested that girl. Um, So I think that you're going in, you see all of these things with Tim talking about, I built this ride, Al saying like, oh, but it's not ready. They're yet. playing over the
1: monitors. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Jerry standing by each one. Mm-hmm. Y- yes. <laughs> yes. Always shaking his head with his dark sunglasses on, and and his and you know cocaine sniffles. Yeah. There's live wires off. The, you know, like when they have all the atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. Just one on the ground sparking. Dry ice <laughs> flowing through. And then I think it's like as soon as you get on
0: it, it starts, and the first five seconds are normal, and then just disasters are happening, and the whole kind of storyline <laughs> of it is like Tim like there's animatronic Tim's yeah. or maybe Tim on screens Jill and the boys are there I love it and the idea is that they're trying to
1: save you from the thing as it's yeah. happening or conversely yes it's not a coaster at all but it's a walkthrough haunted thing where oh yeah. it's just a dark room where Randy might kill you <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, the home improvement roller coaster is you uh, drive out to a cornfield and <laughs> and you throw your car keys out in the middle of it and you stand completely still and then Randy comes out of the woods and stabs you repeatedly in the chest and takes your body and dissolves it in acid it's yes it's 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 really scary briefly <laughs> until you die until you die uh, that would be an okay way to go I mean yeah do you have it like I mean Can you think of any other things that would be... How does Wilson fit into this? Is he behind a fence at some point? Well, I mean, that would make sense, I guess.
1: Well, if it's anything like the... Do you ever go on the Back to the Future ride at Universal? yes, that was a fond memory. you could have some sort of, like... You know, the, the Back to the Future ride had this narrative where Doc was trying to stop Biff. And so you mm-hmm. had this competition between the two of them. Ah, yeah. So there could be some sort of counterbalance where Wilson is trying to give the the calming, like, <laughs> welcome, neighbors. You're about to go on a, a <laughs> philosophical journey. And then all of a sudden, like, he explodes or the fence explodes or oh, something. And Tim comes in and, like, oh, God, we have a problem. We killed Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> we have to go back in time. We- Again, and then this ties in the NES game, SNES game, where they go to, like, prehistoric land and Tim throws hammers at pterodactyls. Again, (laughs) it's a shame
0: that that only is represented in the SNES game, because I'd love to see that on the show. Like, that, dude, we have six more seasons to go. Yeah, I mean... That just, what's that? What's that Ray Bradbury book like? A Sound of Thunder, where they go back in time to hunt dinosaurs, and they step on a butterfly, yeah. and then and then a fascist becomes president. Like maybe like Tim throwing hammers at dinosaurs fixes the world. I don't know.
1: Oh, that's very true. That's yeah. an interesting way to look at it. That's that's Tim Allen's Jurassic Park. Oh, I love it. Um, So all this has got me starting to think about tool time a little bit. And I have some questions for you. Our Home Improvement Podcast has you thinking about... Well, talking fun. about... Oh, oh, yeah. Picturing them talking... Because when you say they're talking on the monitors for this, sure. this ride, I picture them on the tool time set mm-hmm, mm-hmm. talking about it. So I have, I have a question for you that's been in my head for about half of the season now. <laughs> and I've been trying to find a good place to put it. And I'm going to put it right here. Okay, <laughs> I'm ready. My hands are, are out and outstretched. What do you think the experience is like of watching an entire Tool Time episode? I think
0: that it's probably... I think that the show is very popular with stoned people because... <laughs> Okay. It, it's like because it does because I would imagine there's lots of dead air on the show because you've got hosts routinely walking off the set for no reason. Right. You've got periods where the camera is pointed at nothing. You the whole thing is like score settling and pranks and and also it's like with the amount of time that they waste on air, I don't know how they ever actually get to any tool tips. So I think that watching honestly, okay, okay, are you ready for it? I, I'm ready. <laughs> I think watching Tool Time is actually a lot like listening to this podcast because ostensibly. <laughs> This podcast is about home improvement, but but as you can see from the runtime of our episodes, there's a lot of other shit in there that kind of is around
1: the edges. Well, this is a good question. Then how long do you think an episode of Tool Time runs? I want to say that it's like The View and it's like three hours in the middle of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's cable access television in the early 90s. They had to fill time with something. I guess. I mean, you know, and
0: that was uh, to, to once again make it about something else. Uh, the reason Mystery Science Theater 3000 was so attractive to the Comedy Channel, later Comedy Central, mm. when they first made the jump to basic cable, was it was Who like Who are you? Me?
1: <laughs> with all these
0: facts on television about about the one show I really have all the facts on that isn't Frasier. But they it they, they, they was so attractive because it was like, well, we've got this new cable network. We have all this time to fill up. Oh, a two-hour long show where they make fun of a shitty movie? I mean, I don't get it, but sure, put it on. It'll fill two hours. So maybe that's why Tool Time is on the air, is because yeah. like WXYZ or whatever can't find enough shit to fill their day. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Uh, I mean, what I do like you that. What do you think it's like watching Tool Time? I don't time? know. I was trying to like mentally picture obviously I'm not drawing these pictures you should though you should paint a (laughs) picture I storyboarded a whole episode of tool time you're Um, you're getting into Jim Carrey territory with this stuff (laughs) well it's just like trying to okay so we know that the show each episode starts out with Lisa or who we'll find in next season uh, Heidi Yelling! Does everybody know what time it is? Yeah, tool time gets the crowds going. They come out Arsenio to introduce. Hall thing. And this is yeah, <laughs> the whoops, whoop whoop whoop. Yeah, um, and this is the the part of the show we most often see, which mm-hmm. is Tim coming out and saying, you know, welcome everybody. I'm Tim, the tool man Taylor. And you all know my son Al, Al, who I disrespect, <laughs> Borland. Borland. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I feel like we see the beginning of each episode more than anything else. Mm-hmm but i I cannot, for the life of me figure out the through line of how they go through a project because they have all these product corners and their salutes to things, yeah, um, and only on a handful of occasions have we seen the end of a tool time episode,
0: yeah, well, I mean sometimes and it seems like a lot of times we're seeing the end because Tim decides he doesn't want to be on the show
1: anymore, <laughs> almost it's like he's right. upset and he and he walks away. God, what a chaotic uh, <laughs> uh schedule that would be for the. Uh, programmers, it was like cooking with Irma. Get ready! Yeah, yeah. Tim just walked out the set. You got to go on in five. Irma is just always waiting. She basically
0: lit, she sleeps in a cot right above the set. She jumps onto a fire pole and slides down like Ghostbusters.
1: I love it! Uh, or like just a fireman. I don't know why I had to. I want to see Ghost that Busters. movie. I want to <laughs> see an elderly lady have to burst into action uh, at the drop of a dime. I, I, it really makes you want like it's like tim has tim has so much power that they've just built
0: the entire the entirety of this network around his whims yeah well yeah but it's it's funny because sometimes we will come to tool time at the beginning and they're like today we're doing our salute to this thing we're going to build this and then they then stupid bullshit happens instead yeah. and then other times you come to tool time and it's like oh we built an entire deck <laughs> right and now let's
1: just fuck it up at the end yeah. like we never actually see the whole I don't know. I, I bet there there has to be episodes where their their runtime definitely gets cut short because if Tim, you know, with the power sander or with, uh, you know, the 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 power loader with the teacups, like uh, any of these things are gonna just demolish the set. And how do you continue your episode um, beyond that? You know, and after you shoot the the <laughs> the cameraman with a nail
0: gun. <laughs> Well, I would think that they have understudy cameramen waiting. (laughs) They have recruits just just back there ready to, again, slide down the fire pole. Uh, Yeah, I think it would be... I think watching Tool Time... I I, I feel like it's one of those shows that has a very dedicated fan base that is extremely passionate. Like, a small but very passionate fan base who's willing to meet the show halfway and they found these things about it that they love. It's an inscrutable show that is... That is almost impossible for people to get into, but once people are into it, it is like a religion to them.
1: <laughs> uh, kind of like Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> I, I
0: I have to say yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I have been I have been with my girlfriend for over nine months now. I have yet to show her an episode of Mystery Science Theater oh, because. Wow. I, I just don't like we've talked about it, I just, I don't want to run the risk of her not liking it.
1: Sometimes you just got to keep things for you, man. That's the thing. That's yeah.
0: the, that's the thing. She and you know and she loves the X Files and says you know if you don't like the X Files just don't tell me because <laughs> that will be bad.
1: So I think it's important to kind of wall off the things that are truly yeah, important. There you go. Yes. Um. Uh. I saw Infinity War. Oh yes yes and yes. And I I just have to bring this up. It's not a spoiler and I'll I'll speak as vague as I can. Uh. By the time this episode comes out. of the world has seen it anyway, but there's a moment with Thor where he's trying to get this thing started, Mm -hmm. and uh, he is having trouble. Is it a hot rod? (laughs) It's not a hot rod, but that would be great. Uh, He's really, he's trying, he's like, life or death, he has to get this thing started, and he can't do it, and he just screams, more power! And I... It took everything I had not to start grunting at the scream. My favorite character screaming, "More power!" It was a confluence of all my my favorite things I didn't, in the world. I didn't know Thor was your favorite one. It's not. I, I said that, and um, and then I called attention to it and, and caught you in your lie. <laughs> well, no, it, it is the Hulk is my favorite character of all time, but uh, Thor in the movies is you know given a lot more to do. Um, Certainly, I think he's my favorite MCU character. Mm-hmm. Hulk, just in general, is my favorite character.
0: Chris, Chris Hemsworth was this close to coming on our show. It's Chris <laughs> Evans who plays Thor, isn't it, or is it Chris? Hemsworth? No, it's Chris Hemsworth. Hemsworth. I'm never gonna know uh,
1: which of these Chris's. Which <laughs> you, you, and character name. I mean, honestly, they are. Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, and Chris Pratt. I mean, there are a lot of Chris's I keep, keep track of. I know
0: which one Chris Pratt is. Only one of them was on Parks and Rec. <laughs> and, and, and Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. ha, holds a much larger place in my heart than any of the other MCU yeah. stuff. So I know
1: Chris Pratt. At Thor is it's very conflicting for me because I love the Thor character in the MCU, but Chris Hemsworth is uh, my avowed nemesis in life. Uh, wow. Just because I think, you know, he's... Younger than me, and uh, much more attractive, and much more successful than I'll ever be. Yeah. Um. So I have a vendetta against this guy.
0: I kind of got one of those going with Damien Chazelle
1: too. <laughs> <laughs> he's way younger than all of us. Well, well he's he's
0: slightly he, older no, than the, me.
1: The Guinness Book World Records just issued their new book saying that he is the youngest person to ever live. Oh wow! So That's me. It's we're, we're in Children of Men territory. now. <laughs> <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> He will be the savior. So anyway, um, Home Improvement. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. I got one more tangential thing to, to bring up here. Okay. Um, I did uh, karaoke this week. Oh, and I. No one told me <laughs> it was part of uh, something else. But uh, I did karaoke, and one of my go-to songs was uh, "Is You Can Call Me L." Oh. And as I started singing it on stage, uh, for those of you who may not remember, we we, we brought up the Chevy Chase, Paul Simon uh, correlation to both Termin and Me and, and this weird world we're living in. Yeah. Um, but I was standing on stage singing the song, and I just kept thinking, my God, how fun and funny would this be? If Truman were here to stand at the front of the stage, lip singing to me, lip singing the song, <laughs> I would bring my trumpet with me so I could
0: just dance back and forth with it <laughs> and doing doing the little yeah you know, exactly if the you guys could cha-cha. yeah if you could see the moves I'm doing right now oh, man. Uh, good for, good for you rocking the Paul
1: Simon up there <laughs> uh, did did it kill were people were people did it bring you know, the house down that song um, kills. It, it's very polarizing. Uh, it if either... you were born
0: before a certain time.
1: <laughs> well, I feel like it either kills or it's like, oh yeah, I remember that song, and then they just kind of like tap their feet. Ah. I, I think it's also like the atmosphere, the bar that you're in will will dictate that.
0: Sure, sure. Well, I mean, if there's a lot of bachelorette parties in the bar, I don't think that's gonna do it. If you if you <laughs> right. come up with party At that point, in the you USA, you need to like sing
1: genuine's pony. Oh God, yes.
0: <laughs> what? That sort of thing. Look, if you, if I were there yeah. and someone, any bar I'm at and someone starts singing, you can call me out. I am the drunk bachelorette party girl <laughs> up front going, whoa, sweet home Alabama. <laughs> That's me. That's me. Except yeah. it's whoa, Graceland. Yeah. Diamonds <laughs> in the size of your shoes. I was
1: just thinking that. Oh, well, there you go. Oh man. So do you, uh, you have anything before we get into this long ass episode? I have something. Um, I do have something folks.
0: Uh, something about me is that I, I they, there's these things called video games. Um, I think I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah. I think I've, I think I've wasted a third of
1: my life on them. Uh, as much as you do sleeping. What do you do with the remaining one third of your life? I, uh, <laughs> I think that's when I'm here. Oh okay, that's, gotcha. yeah. <laughs> You, you've got me for
0: for 33 uh, percent of my life.
1: Nice. <laughs> and I don't even give you your own corner.
0: I know, which is which is weird. All these other corners for for Pam and for independent <laughs> film and whatever else. So, there is a video game called XCOM 2 War of the Chosen. It is a video game in which... Uh, it's a strategy, turn-based video game in which you command a ragtag team of soldiers fighting to free the earth from the clutches of an awful alien regime that is invaded and taken over and installed a dystopian uh, uh, puppet government.
1: So, real life.
0: Yes, but, yes, exactly that. <laughs> okay. It's gr- gritty and realistic. But the big part of this game is that you recruit these these soldiers and you send them out on these missions and you're commanding them in combat and over time they gain experience, they get promoted, they get more abilities, and you build sort of an attachment to these soldiers over yeah, time. They get
1: more power. They do
0: get more powerful and more power. Uh <laughs> They get more powers. Pizza? Yes, exactly. Wow. They're, they're all Ninja Turtles. <laughs> uh, so the the point is though that you can uh, you you grow attached to these soldiers over time. And in the game there's a there's a character pool basically where you can like create these characters you can customize what they look like you can give them names etc and then the game will randomly like put them out there for you to recruit in the course of the game so in my current playthrough of this game I've built the entire cast of home improvement in the character pool also the entire cast <laughs> of it. cheers and a lot of the characters from the movie aliens uh <laughs> I love it so anyway but so I've been then in playing this game I've been recruiting mm-hmm. home improvement uh, characters to fight in this war against the aliens. And I wish I could tell you it was going better. <laughs> uh, oh, no. But what's, so,
1: the, what's, the, what's the sit rep, as they say?
0: The sit rep right now is, uh, so I recruited Al Borland, uh, who had plaid armor and a plaid gun. <laughs> uh, I can
1: only imagine that he did his job dutifully and uh, did it uh, the best he could and won. Yeah, you could
0: assume that erroneously. Uh, he he, on his very first mission, he missed uh, repeated point blank shots and was eaten by zombies. Uh, as a result of his failure, uh, another character, not from Home Improvement, Stuart Wellington from the Flop House, also was eaten by zombies, uh, and he was trying to rescue Vasquez from aliens. Also eaten by zombies. So thanks for that, Al. <laughs> it's
1: a weird fanfic world we live in here. I,
0: I know, I know. Podcasters, home improvement characters, and people from Aliens. Uh, so I had both Mark and uh, Brad. Uh, things have not gone well for them. Uh, Brad was sniped by an alien's wrist laser in the sewers underneath Nairobi. And,
1: uh... Brad, Brad to me, seems like uh, he would be the Bill Paxton in Aliens character. Game over, man? Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, actually, the the Bill Paxton character from Aliens is in this game as well.
1: (laughs) So, Bill Paxton is the Bill Paxton character from Aliens.
0: Yes, although I'm pretty sure, yeah, he's died too, so in fact, game over, man, game over for him. Uh, Let's see, I had Mark out on a raid on an alien uh, biotech facility. He got uh, (laughs) captured... He got captured. Well, he didn't get captured. A snake man grabbed him and then squeezed him to death. Uh, some it's, of the aliens are that's snakes. That's what happens
1: when you don't actually kill the snakes uh, that you pull out of your walls. Yeah. I also don't uh, condone killing animals, so uh, it, I the, rescind what I just said.
0: If you saw this evil alien snake man, you would condone killing animals. So <laughs> anyway, so at this point, we've lost Al. We've lost two of the boys. I have yet to recruit Randy, but he is he is out there, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring him on board. Jill.
1: Randy, Randy's some sort of uh, double agent. He's he's behind enemy lines, stabbing your soldiers in the back.
0: Yeah, he, I'm pretty sure he killed both of his brothers. And so I've currently got... Jill is on the team. Jill is a sergeant right now. She's a heavy weapons specialist. She's watched two of her sons die in combat. Oh my god,
1: she's seen some shit, man.
0: But no negative will effects thus far, so she's doing okay. I've just recruited Wilson. Tim is still out there. What? Tim, I've not found Tim yet.
1: You know what, though? That kind of makes sense. It seems to me like... Tim Taylor would be the type that would would fall ass backwards into success when you're dealing with high tech like you you think of the, the loader episode or you know, like yeah, yeah. he's got just big machinery and destroys basically everything in his path. True. Not as intended, yes. but as a you know, consequence of his own Ineptitude.
0: I can definitely see. I, I also Tim is the sort of person to come into a thing at the last minute and take all the credit. So I think I will have this war basically won <laughs> unless I lose because it's yeah. a very difficult game and I am not a great battlefield commander. But he will either come in at the last second and take credit or or just be <laughs> cannon fodder. Um, I've also, I've also just recruited Cliff Clavin and Norm Peterson, and so I've got them in training right now, and I'm excited to see what
1: happens with them. Sam and Diane waiting in the wings. So, Cliff is gonna be embarrassed by a mission and then try to play it up. Yeah. uh, In the, in the... Meeting rooms, uh, uh, you know, there,
0: me. Uh, the thing about uh, killing those snake men is, uh, uh, uh you, gotta, you gotta actually shoot all around them. So, I actually wasn't missing, um, yeah. So, anyway, that's the first installment of what I'm sure will be everyone's favorite segment, Truman's wow. XCOM Corner. I will be updating you on how many home improvement characters have died thanks to me. Wow,
1: we, you know, we have had some interesting crossovers on this show, uh, on grunt work, um. This is one that I didn't expect coming. I, I, I didn't think so either.
0: And also, I mean, there's still, you know, Stuart Wellington died. There's uh, Dan McCoy and Elliot Kalen are still out there ready to be recruited. Oh so God. they, I mean, there's all kind. we're crossing over with all kinds of media right now.
1: <laughs> so that's, that's yeah. my biggest news. Is, I'm playing video games. Here's my big question. Yeah. Is uh, Lisa the tool girl in your pool of characters? Not until I go home tonight and add her in there <laughs> and she will hopefully save us all. She'll come in with only one mission and save it and then leave. Like I've gotta, I've gotta go to the sequel.
0: You know, all my 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 squad will be under fire and dying, and then Lisa will ride in on a flaming cow <laughs> with a sword or something and kill them all.
1: And then she's like, you know what? I have another strategy based RPG to go to that's based on the beach. Uh, so
0: <laughs> but that's what Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball or something. Exactly that video
1: game deep cuts. Oh my god, we we have. This is the longest preamble we've ever had. I know, um, I know, I know. This is just a lot of so stuff. before we get into uh, the, the deep stuff here, uh, I just want to take a second to look back on this previous season and thank uh, the people that have contributed. Absolutely. Uh, so I want to give a big thank you to Brigan Snow. Brigham was such
0: a great guest, and this is not to take away from any of our other guests, yeah. but but I love that episode. It
1: was hysterical, and it was so great having him on. Absolutely. I think they're all fantastic in their own very different ways. Uh, so Brigham Snow, uh, who is a big podcaster, and you can go uh, see him on the, the Bright Sessions and... Uh, uh, the, the loop yeah well, yeah the big loop podcast he, big loop. Did, he, he did one episode of that but it's yeah, a right. spectacular episode uh, and he has many many other projects you can find him online We've, yeah uh, tweeted at him
0: and he he also one more piece of credit to brigand uh, we didn't even ask him to do this but he photoshopped him his oh face God, onto jill so much and put it over our our title image for our show <laughs> and and tweeted that when we had him on so he, yes. he goes above and beyond Everybody, invite Brig and Snow on your podcast. See what happens.
1: Watch what happens. <laughs> yeah, uh, I want to give a thank you to Sam Wessel. Oh, so many uh, thanks to Sam Wessel, superhero Whistle. who uh, was on our episode "X Marks the Spot." Yes, um, she she braved some some
0: toughness in her own life, her yes. own love life, to uh, discuss this episode and lend <laughs> her perspective.
1: Which is not something that either of us have any experience with yet. I know, seriously. I mean, I, experience with love lives, just not uh, troubles. No. While dealing with home improvement.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Our, yeah, no, our love lives have been 100% perfect yeah. with zero pratfalls
1: whatsoever along the way. And I'm going to take this opportunity to say that Sam doesn't always yell at us. Uh, no. Even though I make it out to sound like she does. of the time, maybe, but
0: (laughs) no, but seriously, Sam is a very dear friend. She's been so supportive of us from the get go and, and has been in the, she was in this podcasting thing when Landon and I were still in diapers and I'm still in diapers. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I just have a bladder problem. Yeah.
0: And I have a weird fetish. So
1: it's, (laughs) but I'm going to extend an olive branch to her in the form of this psychopathy. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to extend an olive branch to Sam as well.
0: I'm going to try and do better Southern accents when I'm, when I'm on here.
1: I, I'm... Is Virginia the South, though? Well, I mean, we could get into a deeper
0: discussion of that, too. I, I mean, know, I'm just to rile Dixon her back line, up, even yeah. though she
1: has no way of retorting to us except texting us once she listens to the episode. Sweet tea, overrated?
0: I think so. Honestly, I think so, too. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? Why don't you carbonate that shit and then put aspartame in it and call it Diet Coke?
1: Or just... Give me some water. Yeah, well, um,
0: we're the Californians.
1: <laughs> then, lastly, I want to do a huge thanks to John Pasquin for oh, God, the yes. interview that uh, he gave us. Uh, such a sweet and intelligent guy. Yeah. Uh, he had
0: he, he had no reason to, like, there was nothing in that for him aside from just yeah, wanting right. to interact with fans of the show that he did.
1: And to his credit, I mean, I'm giving him all the credit. I mean, there's no more credit to give. Keep, he, he has re- all of the deeper, credit. Yes, But... To give uh, get a new credit card, more, give him more more icing on the icing. He <laughs> sent us an email after the the episode had aired, saying he listened to it and really enjoyed it and had a, a great time doing it. So, like, who does that at his level? He's directing and executive producing Roseanne right now, the the most watched show ever. <laughs> and he he took the time not only to do an interview with us, but to listen to it and then to respond back to us to say. Good job, thanks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Even after our Skype connection froze, and I just, like, <laughs> I was giving him a... You, you had your eyes closed, and I was giving him this weird death
1: stare <laughs> the entire time. He still has warm feelings towards us after that. Oh, my God. Um. So, a big thanks to all of them, and hopefully we'll have a lot more people to thank uh, at the end of season three. Yes. Um, and I guess with that, let's... Start getting into our segments on the show. Oh, let's dive. Let's dive in. So I I dropped a a bit of a a, a bombshell. No, a unexpected gift on your lap uh, when you came over today. You mean the shirt? (laughs) Um, I don't mean the shirt, but I'm talking about this uh, (laughs) season two DVD extra which was essentially an extended uh, clip show it was like it was a little bit of bloops, it was a little bit of uh like greatest hits, yeah, it was some uh alternate takes and deleted scenes it felt like
0: some 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 laughs, some tears some
1: some thrills, some chills, <laughs> a smattering of spills it wasn 't um the entire pizza, but it was like the toppings that had fallen off of the pizza <laughs> and are still in the box, and you realize oh you know it's midnight and i still need to snack on something i don't have any more pizza but i'll just eat the the clump of cheese that's attached to the center of it? Yeah, with a little, like, plastic table thing in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not the the whole bag of French fries, but it's the one loose one that got stuck at the bottom of the
0: bag. Let me tell you, let me tell you, when you eat the fries, and then at the bottom of the fries, there's just a little, like, fried chips in the <laughs> oil and stuff. Yeah. A, my bro Alexander has a word for those. Those are the crunions, which Ooh. is a good word. Yes. B, I think this was crunions, because yeah, it totally was just... crunions. It was just the oiliest, tastiest, not necessarily good for you to eat a whole bag of it, but it was just,
1: like... <laughs> all the kind of the best home improvement from the season. Yeah. And it was a good recap I think uh going into the, the end of the season here. So, uh do you want to go through just a little bit of what we saw? I mean, yeah, like we it was just kind of well, this is what I said
0: pretty early on is that I think that this whole this whole clip show took place uh in the <laughs> in the oil drum where all the transitions in the live, void, yeah. Because there
1: were it would be there were transitions flying through this dark space. This this clip show had about the same amount of transitions as the entire season combined. It was like,
0: it was basically every 30-second every clip that they showed had a transition taking it from one bit to the next. And then each interstitial segment in, introducing the new, like, yeah. oh, these are all the bits where Tim insults Al. Yeah. These are all the best bits where Al strikes back. Right. There was, like, a whole other thing with, like, a tool flying at the screen there. <laughs> um, My main note from all of this is... Uh, I love Al. Yeah. <laughs> Al is really good. My my main takeaway, yeah. I love Randy. I know Randy,
1: Randy's really fun, yeah. W-
0: when you get multiple bits with like w- they they're putting like uh Randy the, down there with Howard the dead fish, going like one, two, yeah. three, he's fried. Right. And then and then Randy, you know, Randy's fighting with Brad and, and Tim comes out in the kilt and Randy's like, Hey mom, where's dad? Like <laughs> just bit after bit, and yeah. it's like I, I you know, again, again I don't I think we've mentioned a few times that we understand why JTT
1: was such a big thing. Absolutely. And you know, I'm going to throw this out there that um seeing it condensed like this made me realize Mark has some funny moments too. Oh, In God. his like blatant attempt to like blurt something out, uh whether intentionally or completely naive. Yeah. Um I think he Mark has some good moments. Well, yeah, there's that that's
0: completely overshadowed. There's the bit where what Tim, you know, Tim is 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 yelling at Brad for getting into trouble and says, "You know, you can't go to Truck Mania or whatever. I'm giving that ticket away."
1: And then and then Mark just
0: pops up from behind the counter. He's like, "Can I take Billy?"
1: Oh my god, it's, that was a brilliant moment to me. Yeah. Um. And the other thing I want to talk about here is uh, there was a whole section dedicated to the grunts. Oh God. Where you know we've mentioned on the show that there exists this ten minute uh, clip where someone has compiled all of the grunts throughout the entire series into this thing except it's like an endurance test yeah and this was like maybe a minute and a half and this alone was hard to get through they have i mean it's all these cuts
0: of like tim with the ventriloquist doll grunting tim in the backyard grunting but at one point near the end of it I think, yeah, the last bit, it ends with Tim in the restaurant in Overactive Glance, where <laughs> where he starts choking, but everyone in the room is a Tool Time fan, so they're all grunting yeah. at him while he's choking. And seeing that without the whole rest of the episode to set it up, it, and not knowing right away that Tim is choking, you
1: really just think that it's just like this cult ritual it's that you've stumbled on. It's so freaking absurd, man. It is really, like, out of context, as you said, you... you you see the the surrealness of it, of like, this is, oh, I don't know. I can't even, like, articulate it. I What I said to you during this, and I stand
0: by, is this is the only TV channel in hell. <laughs> it's It's, <true>. it's <laughs> just only people grunting at each other. Yeah. Or it's like a David Lynch, you know, one of David Lynch's <laughs> short films.
1: Uh, also, um, one thing that we noticed, um, well, actually, before we go into that, I want to say, uh, watching that segment of the grunts, did it give you any insight into what they consider a grunt versus what you consider a grunt?
0: You know, the the biggest thing I noticed is that they definitely they consider Tim talking as he grunts to be a grunt, whereas I do not. So him going, oh yeah,
1: yeah, oh yeah, yeah, oh no, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's my go to. That's the that's the Kool Aid man. Yeah. But yeah, or like uh, when he finally understands something that Wilson's saying. Yeah. Like, oh yeah yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Big mistake. Big mistake.
0: <laughs> yeah. So they. I think they were counting those in that regard. Mm-hmm. The The biggest sensation that I got from it was just, holy shit, there have been a lot of grunts in this season. Yeah. And I, more than probably anyone else on earth, know that because I've been
1: carefully tallying them. But even then, seeing them all thrown in my face like that is overwhelming. You know what? Coming off of this, this segment, let's go directly into the grunt count. Oh, you mean the you, the I mean, moment we've all been waiting for? The moment we've all been waiting for. I mean, there is probably another four hours left of this episode, sure, so sure. tune in. but are you again promoting later in the episode it's it's like the oscars where you start the the thing out with the best actress best actor Mm -hmm. and then you end with best picture so i see i um, see i'm not saying we have a best picture at the end of this episode but um stay tuned to find out if we do
0: yeah okay and now
1: in memoriam all the people who died uh okay so let's let's go into the grunt count um The, the whole season grunt count now if memory serves me the season grunt count of season one was three hundred and fifty
0: nine. That is correct. Okay, good for you doing your homework or just remembering Rain Man style.
1: <laughs> I mean,
0: how do you? I mean, how do you want me to give this to you? I have a lot yeah. of data.
1: Yeah, I, I'll I'll read you some questions and oh, okay. you will give me some data. Okay, I'll just 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 hand you data data after data. <laughs> uh, let's start with. What is the most amount of grunts we've had in a single episode? Uh, you know, our single episode uh, high point was season two, episode
0: 20. Well, of course, it's season two. Episode 21, Much Ado About Nana. Ah. Nana. 39 grunts Wait, in that episode. Really?
1: I thought that was a low grunt count episode.
0: No, that one was that one was huge. What do you remember where they came out the most in that one? Uh, they came out the most. I mean, well, we had a uh, we had a span, we had a run in that episode.
1: Oh, um, isn't the family grunting or something? There's the like whole that?
0: family grunts. There's a period where we have uh, thirty four grunts. <laughs> In the space of thirty seconds, here's what's interesting about that: the the number of grunts in that in that thirty second span is greater than the number of grunts in any other episode in that whole season. Wow! Se- and
1: it's more than one grunt a second.
0: Yes, it is. Yeah, I, did, I did the math on that. It is actually, uh, let's see, it is one point. Oh man, it was, I think it was like one point one three GPS. Wow! In that moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like the second highest grunt total for the season was season two. Why do I keep saying what season? Episode four, groin pains, thirty-two yeah. grunts in that episode. Oh wow! So so in in thirty seconds, Tim and his family. Although we're not counting the family's grunts. I swear to God, guys, only Tim's grunts that I'm counting. If I have to tell one more person, <laughs> the point is in that in that period, Tim grunts more in thirty seconds than he does in the rest of the season.
1: Wow, that's that's intense.
0: And then. And then he's still got five more grunts in the rest of that episode. Which, there's there's episodes this season that don't yeah. even hit five.
1: There's well, okay, so this goes into the next question. What's the least amount of grunts that we've had in a single episode? Well, I don't know if Read My Hips episode one counts. That's zero. That uh, counts. Why yeah. wouldn't that count? I don't know man throughout the
0: outliers I don't know I didn't throw out the outliers last time that's we true. did this and I felt yeah bad but ever this since. isn't
1: this is about the outliers okay so this true, is true for true. questions about highest and lowest
0: yeah so the the lowest grunt count was read my hips but then it was uh followed up by X marks the spot episode 22 which only had three grunts in it okay which I mean again that's that's fairly impressive that that again, Episode 21, 34 grunts in 30 seconds, and then another five grunts later on. Yeah. So they have they have one period of grunting that tops the entire series for grunts, and then the rest of the grunts in the episode outdo two other episodes. <laughs> I'm getting a little too granular with this, but Not it's at really... Not all. This is what we do. This is the work that is the grunt. This is... Li- everything else around this is just garnish. This truly is the piece of meat in the stir fry that we've thrown in all the water chestnuts around. <laughs> Pam's Corner I, is just one big water chestnut. I hate water chestnuts. and You know, I like the texture, and if they're marinated in the right thing.
1: Yeah. So we're not in agreement, and I don't agree. <laughs> um, do you have... Because I have an answer to this one, too, but... Do you have a most uh, memorable grunt from the season?
0: I'm glad you have an answer to this one, because mine is mine is boring. Okay. The most memorable grunt would be the period where the entire family grunts for 34 <laughs> times in 30 seconds. I seriously, I was sitting there looking at this, trying to go, like, looking at my notes for the other right. episodes. But nothing really tops, because... For me, that broke my brain. Like, this show has sure, broken yeah. my brain dozens of times, but that was a special kind of break. That was point. the
1: hardest grunt work that we've done. Uh, and by
0: we, I mean you. Verily. And hey, man, you had to rewind the thing like six <laughs> times. You- true. Yeah, you're, you're pushing the rewind button. What, what's your most memorable grunt?
1: Okay, so I want to make sure I'm very explicit in this, that memorable doesn't necessarily mean good. <laughs> uh, but the most memorable grunt to me was from Dances with Tools. Yes. When... Uh, the one of the, the masculine dudes that Tim ends up talking to comes over to Jill uh after he recognizes Tim and goes, Oh, you must be Mrs. <laughs> <laughs> and Jill says, Oh, that's my married name. My my maiden name is <laughs> <laughs> Dog Noises. Um just, just yeah, which Tim himself has said it's primitive man, not Yeah canine but i get again
0: i suppose that's tim's thing is primitive man but yeah. her thing was dog noises
1: yeah which takes us into fraught territory <laughs> it definitely does uh so i can. it was it's a hard moment for me to watch because i get this feeling that patricia richardson isn't exactly like thrilled she has to deliver this uh
0: i i, I that was that moment that you're referring to was shown in the in the clip show that yes. we just watched and i the you know, looking at her doing it, she seems pretty enthusiastic, and I would assume that
1: she's just thinking about the paycheck at that point. <laughs> Putting <laughs> and my kids through college. It's, it's the joke that's only one step above the worst joke in the season to me, which was from Bye Bye Birdie, uh, which seems to be a recurring theme th- from season to season of... Motown jokes being the worst jokes of the season. Uh, In season one, there is a weird Ford Tops joke. This one was when Wilson suggests getting an owl, uh, and Tim's like, I don't want to get an owl because then I'll get tap, 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 hoo hoo hoo, tap, 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 hoo hoo hoo. And Wilson goes, Well, it worked for Motown, and I still don't get it. I don't understand what that means. What does that mean? I think I think the the lowest point
0: in the whole series for Motown jokes is when Tim drops the beam on Jill's car and the looks at the camera and says, "Wow, just like the Temptations used to do." I don't,
1: I don't even get that.
0: Yeah, I know it's not a joke. <laughs> it's just it's just referencing Motown in a completely. Like like what I've learned from Home Improvement is you just have to acknowledge the existence of of Detroit's music industry oh, a, in a completely out of context just setting. Completely pander to the Detroit audiences. Can we in the future try and get one of the writers who wrote one of these jokes on and just be oh, like, hey man, this is a safe place. We don't want to burn you. We don't want to dunk on you. Even though our entire show has been dunking on you. Can can we? Can you explain tap 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 hoo 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 to me? Can, why don't you tell us what you
1: think Motown is? And then we'll play you some recordings. Oh, <laughs> well, let's get back on track with the the grunt count that we've got going here. Yeah. Um, if you were to take all of the grunts, yes, from this entire season, yes. On average, how many grunts would you expect uh, per per, per, episode? per episode? Yeah. What's the, like the median grunt count? Well,
0: okay. My my. Uh, okay. Well, the average. Well, do you want the average or the median? I want both. Okay. Well, well, let me give you the average first. Okay. The average GPE with outliers included. Is fourteen point six eight per episode. That's an increase from last season. Certainly, uh, adjusted for outliers, it's fourteen point two six per episode. Oh, And the median. What is what does a point two six grunt sound like? Uh,
1: <laughs> that, <laughs> okay, that's, I like it. That's
0: it. I I I checked, uh, and that's that's how much of it is. All right. And the median the median grunt per episode is thirteen. Okay, uh,
1: respectable.
0: I I respect that. I doff my hat to that number of grunts per yeah. episode. I'm I'm as shocked by the data as you are. It's like it's definitely an upward average per episode. Uh,
1: yeah, I think so. And so if you were okay, we, we've got two big numbers here to to do our big reveal. Yeah. Okay. Season two grunt count f- finale uh, total total some, some I, of the calculations. Motown reboot. <laughs> 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 Just like The Temptations. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, off that great intro, I'm going to tell you. T- Season 2 grunt count. What is it? You're going to be surprised. I want to guess. Guess. If it's an increase from last year and last year was 359, I'm going to go 402. Solid guess. Here's where you're going to be surprised. The
0: grunt count for this season is 367. What? it is practically the same as the last season that is an interesting find it is and i've been trying to figure out how it happened and you know that math isn't my deal uh but i what i th- <laughs> i think what it is is that this season like there were there were more episodes with fewer grunts mm. but then there were a few there were three separate episodes in this season that had more grunts that okay so this gets pretty deep into the weeds so be ready to actually do some work for once guys okay okay in season 1 our highest grunt count was 55 for the christmas right. episode way
1: outlier cuz he's grunting jingle, jingle bell jingle, jingle, jingle bell
0: jingle bells jingle bells <laughs> it's a song about that that bar game uh so yeah so that that one is an outlier the second highest 27 right Okay. So, there are three different episodes in this season that that uh, top 30. There's one with 32, there's mm-hmm. one with 39, there's one with straight out 30, and there's another episode with 26. Se- so, like, there are more high grunt episodes yeah. in this season, but then there are also a few episodes with zero grunts. More low? Yeah, less less grunts, more low grunt episodes,
1: whatever you want to call it. So, what I'm hearing is, like, the these episodes in season two were more polarized, whereas like, season one were more clustered toward the average or median grunt. Yeah. This one is like, they're they're clustered either toward the low side or the high side.
0: There's a lot more spikes and yeah. there's a lot
1: more dips okay. in grunts. So, I but I mean,
0: if you tried, if you tried, I don't know how you get that close to matching grunt counts from season one to season two. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, That's, that is impressive. I, it's really strange. And part of me looks at this and is like, did I do something wrong? Because this data doesn't make sense
1: sometimes. <laughs> but, Yeah, 367. Damn. So, okay, I can't do math as we've established. So if you were to give us a running series total at the moment, what would it be? Uh, The total number of grunts
0: in Home Improvement over the course of 49 episodes, 726 grunts.
1: Wow.
0: For an average series GPE of 14.81. Okay. So 14 is really about, like, that's about the number, the magic number right now is 14
1: grunts. Do you think we'll hit 2500 by the end of the series 2500 by the end of the series I mean I cannot see there
0: being fewer mm-hmm. I did not expect when you asked me this question last year, I certainly didn't expect for us to to almost match like i certainly there were more grunts this season than last season yeah eight more grunts to be specific, not quite the change <laughs> that I expected. yeah I cannot see them doing less okay uh, so even if they match. Every season there's around 360 grunts. I I
1: don't know if that gets us to 2500 because you're trying to ask me to do math in math my head work. in real time, yeah. <laughs> um have you noticed anything about the grunts? Like could you at this point after two seasons, can you coach me through a grunt? Uh, could you like if I'm okay, I'll do the grunting. Yeah. You coach me on how to do it. Yeah. Okay. So are you are you, are you able to do this at this point? Am I able to coach you through yeah, a grunt? Let's do this. Yes. All right. How do I, how do I start?
0: Okay. I'd say you want to, you want to get it, get a breath and then go from, well, you can let the breath out while I explain stuff. Too, I can but, hold my breath a long time. Okay. And then you want to come up from, from the, from the kind of like the diaphragm and really support from there and okay. go and start kind of low and then go up like, yeah, see it has to end high and really kind of rumble it there and you're just, well, okay. It was like cookie monster. Yeah, that's the, yeah, exactly. Uh, G is for grunty and that's good enough for me. Uh? Mm, a little, a little gravelier. A little gravelier. Uh? 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 There you go. Uh? There, that's the one. That's <laughs> that, that. Yeah, you're the man now, dog. Uh, 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 uh. Yes. Exa- well, yeah. Well, those ones tend to be. That's more when he does it like that. Oh, it's a little higher. It's like, ur, 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 ur. <laughs> yeah, that's that. Yeah, it's because he's more petulant almost with those. <laughs> well,
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna practice this and uh, we'll do this again in season three and see if I've improved. I feel bad for your neighbors. If,
0: well, I mean, I already do because we come all. here and do this. Yeah, you're right. They they subject us to plenty of weird. <laughs> they audience, have a right? kid. That's yeah, it's fine.
1: So so they're putting their their kid to bed. Oh, we finally got him to sleep. And then from next door they start. Ugh! Meanwhile, I'm sleeping at six thirty in the morning, and the kid starts banging on things and crying. So, like, it's a trade off. Yeah, you know. Y- so,
0: really, that this is
1: you're you're at war with this kid. <laughs> I'm at war with every kid. True. Um, okay. Well, that's that was a great grunt count uh, time that yeah. we did that we had, and thank you. <laughs> you're welcome, Landon. Why
0: are you making me feel weird about this? <laughs> I was good. I know. I mean, I I am I am. Whew. I am just shocked by this data. Yeah. Just really that they that they threw a dart the first season and hit a number, and
1: then they threw another dart the second yeah. season. And it wasn't hit the bullseye, the same but it was number. like the green around the bullseye. So, yeah, 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 really, really wild stuff. That's crazy. Uh, well, thank you for putting all that work in. Um, you, I just you, do... you definitely hold up that part of this podcast. So well, well, thank I appreciate you. It.
0: Thank you. Hey, you know, a lot easier than tweeting at all our crazy fans. <laughs> crazy, crazy fans.
1: Um, Let's go into a little bit of the production background for season two. Let's do that. Uh, there wasn't any reviews to pull uh, for season two, because as we mentioned before, this is uh, pre-internet where talking dead culture didn't exist and we didn't analyze every single episode. That's what we're doing it now. Yeah, I know. We have to <laughs> catch up on the backlog. Yeah.
0: Also, maybe the reason that there's no uh, reviews is because they were negative and Tim burned them all with his <laughs> flamethrower. Or Perhaps. Or because the reviewers... Like, didn't like it, but they were so scared by his manifesto at the beginning of season two that they were <laughs> right. like, we're not going to touch this. We have families.
1: Uh, okay, so we, we do have a few things here. Um, John Pasquin, uh, I know him. Yeah, we did an interview with him. Very lovely, man. He departed. Uh, he So he directed every episode of season one and every episode of season two up to Bell Bottom Blues. Yes. Up to and including Bell Bottom Blues. After that... Uh, we got a brand new director, Andy Kadiff, uh, who was brought in, and his first episode was Howard's End. Um, and so with Addy, Andy Catiff coming in, Tim was um, a little hesitant uh, about a new creative director. And rightly so. I mean, you just get a, a huge hit off the ground, and then all of a sudden you're messing with the formula, right? Yeah, yeah, don't mess with a good thing. Right, because Pasquin was producer, which he said himself that didn't mean too much outside of having input into how things looked or whatever. Sure. Um, but being the director and being the first person that's coaching Tim through how to, you know, be in front of the camera, you know, I can imagine that would be a stressful thing. Um, but this is, so I'm pulling this from a, uh, behind the scenes, uh, it's called the story behind, (laughs) uh, home improvement. And, um, this is what, uh, a few of the people had to say about this, uh, this turnover in, in talents. So, uh, here we go.
0: Tim Allen was less than thrilled at the prospect of losing Pasquin, a director he'd grown to admire and trust.
1: It was a funny time for me.
0: I hate, and I still hate transitions. I like, consistency, but that's just one of my ideals. Tim didn't ever want change once we had a machine that was been working and John Pasquin was very much a part of that machine.
1: The new guy campaigning for the director's
0: chair was Andy Kadiff. When Andy Kadiff came along, Tim was resistant. So here was my first meeting with Tim. The stage manager, Sean Shea, brought Tim over and said, Tim, this is the new director, Andy Kadiff. And he looked me in the eye and went, yeah, f- you, and walked away. He really had trouble accepting the fact that there was a new uh, director. Even though caitiff had the backing of the show's creators, it was Alan's approval that would solidify his position.
1: I was really lucky. My first episode ended up being one of Tim's
0: favorite episodes. The episode was called Howard's End, and it was uh, Zachary Ty Bryan's character was to babysit his girlfriend's goldfish, and it died. And the opening of the... Act, coming out of commercial was a shot, a close-up of a floating dead goldfish. So you pulled back off the dead goldfish, still looking through the goldfish bowl, and then there were two eyes and a sad face, and it was Zach. The audience laughed for about a minute. And so after that, I think, Tim, his shoulders relaxed a little bit, and he started trusting Andy. I think that kind of kept me in the game. Wow, I mean, the big takeaway from that is that, that Tim really, uh, Tim felt pretty strongly about who was directing this show. Yeah,
1: and as I said, I, you know, I think, you know, I can understand it, uh, especially someone who doesn't, like, change, you know, and you're in a stressful environment where you're still sure. trying to prove yourself. Sure, you know.
0: Yeah, wow. I well, and but that's what I noticed from Howard's End. I mean, it, it really was like you feel that change in directing. I mean, all yeah. those close ups of the fish and of the boys looking at it. Like, and it, that's
1: that's the episode that has that wild uh, uh, tracking boom shot where it starts, you know, going under the car and then up oh, yeah, and yeah, over yeah. the car, and you see Jill. It's just this wild, uh, wild direction that uh, was really impressive.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, that and we theorized at the time that that was Andy Kadiff trying to make a, a stamp on the show. Yeah. And, and and put his uh, seal of you know hey this is my deal this yeah. is what I, what I am this is what I do on it and
1: Yeah. Seems to have worked. Yeah. And and so to comment even further on Tim's like stress over this change, like there's a lot of pressure going into season two because Home Improvement um, in season one, and I think for a little bit of season two, was airing at 830 p.m. on Tuesdays, which was sandwiched between Full House, which is already a big hit, and Roseanne, which is already a big hit. Sure. Uh, So that's like that's the spot that you go to test out new shows. You want to put it between two big hits and see if it takes off. Yeah. And it did. Once ABC realized that they had, like, a juggernaut on their hands, they moved Home Improvement to Wednesday at 9 p.m., taking essentially the Roseanne spot. And so then that was then giving power, more, more power, <laughs> to uh, Doogie Hauser, which was at 8.30 <sighs> on to, uh, on Wednesdays. More Powser. <laughs> <laughs> and then was followed by Coach at 9.30 oh p.m. Oh, my God. So, like, I, I there is a part of me that wants like, Hulu or some other streaming service to, like, put together a programming package of, like, this is what it was like to watch, uh the the ABC lineup in the 90s. C- can I can I just
0: take take a minute and say Doogie Hauser M.D. We we all like to laugh about the dorky Neil Patrick Harris show <laughs> yeah. about the kid doctor. It's actually pretty good. It's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty well
1: written. It's also hilariously stupid in some ways, like sure. 90s shows are. But right. man, it's it's solid. There, yeah, that was like I feel like I learned a lot of life lessons watching it because they dealt with stuff that you know you wouldn't see on like sitcoms. Yeah, yeah. There was you know there
0: was one episode. Where they uh, Doogie and Vinny get caught in a convenience store holdup by like a teenage uh, gang member who's Mm -hmm. who's a black kid, and they wind up becoming great friends in the course of the like police standoff siege. There is a there is a brilliant brilliant music montage where they're like all eating junk food and dancing to hip hop music <laughs> and like reading playboys together and amazing then the kid it's a gets a
1: veritable sp- breakfast club montage with the cops outside with guns looking through binoculars like what are they doing oh god it doesn't have a Night of the Living Dead ending does it no it does not well it, it ends and they and- all become friends and then he gets shot in the head no <laughs> God, no, no, no. They well, the,
0: the, the kid gets arrested, but then Doogie and Vinny are talking later, and Doogie's like, hey, Vinny, do you have any black friends? And Vinny's like, no, do you? And he's like, no, why do you think that is? And it's like, mm. oh, and it's right at the end of the episode in the yeah. period where typically he's sitting in his underwear making his diary entries on the computer. Yeah. But it's like, okay, you're reaching that issue and then in the later episode the kid is out on parole and Doogie gets
1: him a job at the hospital and then oh, he becomes really? a part
0: of the thing and it's oh that's awesome and then i was just
1: gonna give it some shit for going like well did they have a black friend uh, come into the show after that no i mean they have they have him in
0: and well, then that's great and there's a whole thing in that episode where one of the patient's watches goes missing and then it's like they're suspecting the, the kid because he's just out of prison and mm-hmm. then there's that whole thing like racism instead so right. it's you know Again, they don't handle it necessarily in the most woke ass way possible. <laughs> right. But for the early '90s and for a show about a child doctor, yeah, right. they did a good job. Interesting. I guess this is Ben Truman's Doogie Hauser corner. You wow. found another that was a very surprising corner like. to me. I know, I know. I um, spent a lot of time in college watching Doogie Hauser and MacGyver, <laughs> <laughs> and and studying journalism a little bit.
1: Oh man. Um, well, the the only thing I have left to say about this uh, move to Wednesday was that. Uh, this move not only like proved that they had a show that could stand on its, you know, become a pillar of the yeah, thing, but drawn audience. The, the real proof of that was that the audience that watched it on Tuesdays followed it oh, yeah, to yeah. Wednesday nights. Nice. And I think that's, you know, it's hard to wrap your mind around in these days of streaming when you can watch anything anytime you want. But like if imagine you had a, your favorite show and you could only watch it one day a week and you have calibrated your schedule to that that you would have to recal can you imagine like having to recalibrate an event in your in your life in order to accommodate watching a piece of content
0: no i can't <laughs> i love tv so so much and i honest appointment viewing i can i can't do there's yeah. so many shows that are on st- still like regular tv that you can't stream necessarily yeah, right. that my parents Will tell me about watching, and it's like, Blue wow, Blue Bloods, NCIS. Oh yeah, uh, NCIS New Orleans. <laughs> uh, you know, NCIS Special Victims Unit, NCIS The Moon, <laughs> NCIS Medicine Woman, <laughs> NCIS uh, Generations.
1: NCIS The Moon uh, seems like it's a really, really simple show because all that moon dust—you'd just be leaving fingerprints all over the place. True, true. Yeah, nothing ever, uh, nothing ever really blows away in the
0: wind. The crime scenes are perfectly prepared. <laughs> Yeah, well, but still, but there there are shows that I will hear about, and it's like, wow, h- how do I see that show? Oh, I have to be on the couch watching broadcast television at right. seven thirty on a weekday. Well, I do things, yeah, man. Right? Like, P.S. Seven thirty on a weekday was Jeopardy. Oh, of course.
1: okay. Now let's <laughs> let's be real. Jeopardy—that's a whole other. I could do a whole podcast about Jeopardy. Um. So, and then I just have one more bit here, and it's uh, it's looking forward. Oh, okay. Starting uh, with episode one of season three, this is what we have to look forward to, a new showrunner takes over. <gasps>
0: Who's
1: which, showrunner? which can be a little uh, scary, at least these this day and age when you have such a, a grand vision that is operated almost exclusively by the showrunner and the creators. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know how that's going to fare for this. I have a feeling we're going to have a whole different taste of the show. Mm. Um, but this new showrunner is named Elliot Shonenman. Shon- Shonenman. Okay. His name is Elliot Shonenman. Uh, who honestly doesn't have a wide list of credits, uh, but had, like, he produced 18 episodes of The Cosby Show, mm-hmm. uh, Rotten Hell, and, uh, <laughs> I'd say that that was, like, his biggest claim to fame. It, he was mostly known for a writer, and, uh, as a writer, mm-hmm. and he wrote on Maud, the original Bea Arthur vehicle that he wrote some of The Cosby Show, Rotten Hell, uh, <laughs> one episode of Cheers.
0: Oh, Wait. Wait, was it from before season six? Cause that's yes, where... it was. Wait.
1: I can't remember the name of the episode, but it was the one where he loses to the uh, the Playboy baseball team. It was like a rival.
0: Oh, yeah, because
1: he... Pla- and no. then Diane starts making fun of him for his competition.
0: Uh, no, it's like he, he is playing baseball against a... It's a charity match against a team of Playboy playmates, but Sam... Uh, plays as hard as he can and blows them out by, like, 70 points or something. <laughs> and then all these playmates who wanted to bone him are so put off by his competitive nature that he doesn't get laid.
1: <laughs> Which, uh, maybe that was a subversive act, because he knows deep down he really wants to bone Diane. Yes, and and then actually Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, and other than that, he's just done a number of other forgotten shows and TV movies. Huh. So, like, he doesn't have a lot of credits going in or coming out of home improvements. So I'm very curious how this is gonna change things for us. It's weird to me that with
0: a show that's this big of a bona fide hit that they changed around so much shit in the first three seasons. Like, yeah. hey, yeah, season two, uh, going well? they a new director. Why not? <laughs> hey, hey I'm a, I'm, I guess I'm a mob guy pizza man in New York doing this show Home Improvement. Hey, I'm Carmen Finestra. What are you going to do? Hey,
1: how about a new showrunner? Bada bing. Bada bing. Um, they, well, they did the same thing as Pasquin said about Roseanne, where, I mean, that was, uh, from what I understand, a lot of Roseanne's doing of like getting rid of, gutting the creative team and bringing in new people. Um, But if, if things, I mean, if you're gonna make changes like that, you gotta do it early on. So that you could set the precedent and yeah. you know, set the tone that you want to go for going forward. And you're def- you're just like
0: stress testing the show straight out the gate though. Right, I mean yeah. it's like things are shaky enough getting a TV show off the ground. But I mean I guess I understand the point and like, yeah, better better to do it up front. But when you're still trying to solidify what works and what right. doesn't and build an audience that you are taking members of the creative team and swapping them out willy nilly, yeah. I mean it's it's a it's truly a miracle that uh home improvement uh worked out. You heard it here first. Um, home Improvement is a miracle. Yes, yes. If you <laughs> check check the Bible, it's right in there. Uh, Water into Wine, uh, uh, Blind Men See, Beggar's Walk, uh, Tim <laughs> Allen, Sitcom,
1: 8 o'clock, Wednesday Nights, etc., etc. Uh, 9 o'clock. Oh, God. Actually, you, you it was ju- 9 o'clock's monster. <laughs> So before we go on to our next segment, uh, I, I want to say it just popped in my head what you look like with this Binford uh, T-shirt over top of your polo shirt. Yeah. You look I'm like a, a a campaign manager of, <laughs> for, like, an election. You know, someone that's wearing the vote for whoever <laughs> yeah. over top of their, like, buttoned-up, uh, you know, Docker shirt. Hi, hi there. I'm, I'm calling from the uh, Binford for President campaign. Have you voted yet? <laughs> uh. Meanwhile, I realize also I look with this, uh, with this tie on, and this uh button up shirt and my my tattered uh pants my I have like tattered shorts on I can't see the shorts they I think I look like Bruce Banner as if he decided to become a news anchor. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I have all this fray around the bottom of my shorts, and uh it's like Bruce Banner found a new shirt, but then he kept his messed up shorts <laughs> exactly' it's from like, when he going a rip anyway I mean, the second I start <laughs> reporting on the news, I'm gonna get angry. <laughs> So much shit going on. And this is just local news, too. The school board elections did not go the way I wanted. Why is the turnout so low? News Smash.
0: <laughs> news Smash would be a really good name for some sort of comedy news program. Yeah, there you just go. Just putting that on the podcast so you
1: remember. <laughs> um, no one's stealing. Yes. So, um, let's go into our next segment. Oh. One that we... Oh, my God. I Truman, you got to take the reins on this one. I've We're, been, we're about to go into... We're about to go into, if you're sitting there
0: thinking like, wow, they've been talking for an hour and a half. How much longer could this go? We're about, we are entering our final Pam's Corner and never before has there been a corner so, so big, so, so redolent with things to talk about. There, there is, we, we have, we have, we have submerged ourselves fully in Pamela Anderson. We have dove into her brain. We
1: open the door and Wilson has as Santa has left us a plethora of gifts in Sam's corner. Sam's corner? Sam's corner. corner. She's going to yell at us again. <laughs> oh no. Uh y- yeah, it's like
0: we you know in um you know in Interstellar when they go through the wormhole to I
1: I'm going to have this, I'm so conflicted because I don't want to talk bad about Pamela Anderson. I mean, especially in a corner that was designed to honor her. We were tr-
0: well. Look, we are we are honest brokers. We call we call balls and strikes. It's
1: true. It's true.
0: We read both of the novels that Pamela Anderson quote unquote wrote. Right. Well, I read one. You read the other. Yes. Landon read Star, which was briefly the number one New York Times bestselling book. As it says on the cover. Yeah, sensational New York Times bestseller. And I read Starstruck, the
1: sequel that
0: maybe not as successful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, oh my god. Well, should we just launch into it? Yeah, okay, let's look.
0: And we will just say I'm just going to say this before we start. Uh,. I, the fact that we are going to say some things about the quality of these books, which are heavily autobiographical, even though they are fictionalized, about fictional characters. We're going to make some comments about these books and how they're written and the quality of the books. Just because someone has produced a piece of art that we do not like does not mean that that person is not a good person. Let's just okay, agree with that. fair. That's a vague enough thing to say. I, I have, I, you know, because what we're critiquing are the exploits of Starwood Lee... <laughs> The protagonist of these here two books, written by Pamela Anderson and a ghostwriter. Look,
1: I love Max von Sydow, but Max von Sydow has done some shitty movies in his career. Yes. I don't judge him for it. Yes. Uh, You know what? More power to him. If he wants to star in Flash Gordon as a really over-the-top, somewhat culturally insensitive, even though he's playing an alien called Ming character, you get that paycheck. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Landon, you read the
0: first book in the, in, in the in the Star Cinematic Universe. Oh
1: God, did I ever, Landon?
0: What is this? What is Star about? Because having read the sequel without having read the first book, I have
1: I have got some questions. Oh, good lord! So do I, and I read it. Um. All right. Here's a, as concise a summary as I can give you. Yes. Mainly, it's a fictional account of Pamela Anderson's life, a 22 year old girl from Miami named Esther Star. Uh, I'm putting star in quotes. I see it, <laughs> uh, Esther Starwood Lee. That's spelled L E I G H. Clever. Yeah, you gotta you gotta differentiate. You wake up pretty early in the morning E-I- to get one past us. Uh, so Star falls ass backwards into a modeling gig for Zach Beer uh, because she is noticed on the jumbotron of a Dolphins game and becomes the spokesperson. Gets the attention of Man Magazine uh, in Los Angeles, which is a it's what it sounds like. It's Playboy. Yeah. Uh,
0: she, but well, it sounds more like Mad Magazine. It sounds
1: like, you know, Alfred E. Newman is going yak Yeah, I was going yak through this whole thing. Ooh, hot takes. And this has been Gene... Uh, what's his name? Siskel. Not Siskel. Ebert. Nope. Doesn't matter. Parmesan. Gene <laughs> <Jean> Par... Ah! <laughs> he did uh. it again! Uh, where was I? Okay, so she gets the attention of Mad Magazine in Los Angeles... Man spelled M A N N oh, by of the course. way. Uh of <laughs> flies to Los Angeles becomes a nude model. Fucks famous people, accidentally gets an audition and finds herself on a TV show, has more sex, gets another TV show, and then gives into a stalker who's trying to get her to go on to a date and then the book just ends. No resolution to that at all. A stalker? A stalker named Jimmy oh, <laughs> which I'm assuming is the <laughs> The guy in your book, based on your reaction. Oh, Landon. Oh, listeners, if you could
0: see my face. What is this guy's name?
1: Jimmy Deed. Oh, the pieces are all falling together. They're just like... Jimmy Deed comes in this book with like 15 pages left. Oh, Landon. And those 15 pages are chock full of him stalking her. He sees her once, calls her endlessly, shows up at her place, uh, breaks into her trailer, just wanting to tell her how big his dick is and to go on a date with him endlessly that's all he does it's his soul life mission is to get her to go on a date and see how big his dick is and her reaction i'm i'm jumping to the end of this book the the her her solution to this is at the end of this book she finds him wrestling with another guy in her trailer on the set of lifeguards inc oh that, oh, what, that that's what's is that based on anything <laughs> and her her solution to it is Listen, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to – so she. this other guy wants her to read a script. She's like, I'm going to take your script to Cabo where I have a photo shoot. And then when I get back, I'm going to go on a date with you just to shut you up. Jimmy Deed. Jimmy Deed. Uh, Then she she kicks them both out of a trailer, her trailer. She gets in a hot tub and then the book ends. She just gets in a hot – the book ends. They're just getting in a hot in, tub. In only. like a hot bath, I should say, like a bubble bath. She just gets in the ba- – that's it. That's like, get out of my trailer, here's a hot bubble bath, no resolution, see ya in Starstruck. New York Times bestselling book. Uh, according to the New York Post, a sexy, sizzling beach read. According to Anne Rice,
0: star is an absolute frolic, clever, consistently witty, and often downright. Downright
1: hilarious. <laughs> Does Anne Rice just think anything that doesn't have vampires is hilarious? I, I think so, yes.
0: <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. They weren't biting each other's necks. What?
1: So I, I want to preface this by saying, like, on one hand, this thing never claims to be more than it is. Uh, so any criticism that I have here comes directly from not being the target audience. Like, it's called a beach read. I never go to the beach outside of like being the person with a a podcast that's been tasked with commenting on this book um, I would never have read this you know I've read a lot of beach books about, like, private investigators and
0: stuff that have not been great reading, but have all, like, been kind of a satisfactory meal, at least. <laughs> yeah. Would you say this was not a satisfactory meal? Not at all. Would you send it back to the kitchen? And I'll go through my bullet
1: points here yeah, as yeah, yeah. to why. Go through. There's no conflict in this book. Oh, okay. That's, not a, that's a recurring theme. A single ounce of conflict. She starts out as this country bumpkin type. It really honestly feels like Jar Jar Binks quantum leaped into a blonde bombshell in Miami. Oh, that's a nightmare. <laughs> Welcome to the book. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: is, is she a racist caricature too of, of white of. people? So she is sometimes content, sometimes stories, really inept writers will do this where they think that a character arc means starting at one, you know, like, so she starts at this, this idiotic country bumpkin mm-hmm. I mean like she's 22 years old at the start of the book and she's going on to to help uh, her, her friend on this modeling shoot before she gets into modeling herself and there are guys that are helping her with makeup mm-hmm. and they are the first gay guys she's ever met or seen in her life well I mean where are you gonna find gay people in South Florida <laughs> in Miami yeah, I mean it's and not she's, like there's known for having a huge gay community. There there's like four or five pages and they keep coming it keeps recurring throughout the book of her talking about her gay friends of like her experiencing and trying to process a gay guy for the first time. No one is that dumb or or naive or sheltered in their life that they don't know the concept of a gay man. Yeah. And then, you know, so this is what's frustrating to me about this, is that... Landon is actively upset. He's clutching the book like he's trying so hard not to tear it in half. If you're going to do a fictionalized account of your life, if you're not just going to do an autobiography or a biography, and you're going to do a fictionalized thing, invent some conflict. Yes. Invent some sort... So she starts out as a nice country person. Country. Nice, naive girl. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have any struggle and just happens to accidentally become a model that supersedes the actual model who was trying and working and doing stuff. Yeah. Gets noticed, becomes uh, the spokesperson for a beer company, which she does in real life as well. It plays out exactly as Pamela Anderson's thing. From that, she gets noticed all around town and then gets invited to be on Man's Magazine. And they spend an entire chapter on her first airplane ride, uh, <laughs> which is mind-blowing to me. And, like... How someone, I I get like, but that's what this is the example of what they think the conflict is. Yeah. It's like someone who has never been on an airplane before going through the experience of figuring out how to get on a plane. And it's so not relatable, (laughs) and doubly so because what's happening is she gets there, she misses her flight, and then gets bumped up to first class. There's just, like, a metaphor for everything that's happening to her. It's just, yes. like, great things and then more good things. Exactly. And so, like, she's so stressed out that she misses her flight. The 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 person, the, the gatekeeper. Gatekeeper, yeah. That's whatever. <laughs> yes. Is like, I'm the key master. It's, it's no problem. Go wait in our expert, or our expert, our, our fancy, expensive lounge that are for high flyer mile people. Uh, go in there. Order whatever you want. Uh, and we'll get you another flight. Free of charge. All... On the Man Magazine dime. Hmm. And she's like, oh, okay, well, I, am I going to have to pay you back? And it's just like, oh, my God, I, I, I'm wasting way too much time on this. But there, the other annoying thing is, like, every aspect of her book here is so thinly veiled for... Like, there's not even any inventiveness in terms of coming up with new names or different story. Like... She goes to Man Magazine, mm-hmm. not Playboy. Yeah, the man's gentleman's magazine. It's yeah. Man Magazine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she gets a job on Lifeguards Inc. Yeah, and Hammer Time. Oh, the original <laughs> title for Home Improvement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Hammer Time stars Alan Taines. <laughs> I'm trying to decide which of these I want to go into next here. The, the other so much. thing is just like it's it's also just poorly written. Yes. Uh, that's no surprise. But, I mean, it feels like a first draft of something where the perspective itself changes from like third-person omniscient to third-person limited mm-hmm. within the same page. Yeah. Where there will be something where it's, it's speaking generally about Star's experience and thought process and using – explanatory, that's not a word. Explanatory, yeah, it is <laughs> Explanatory a word. words. Fraser here, you've done correctly. <laughs> that her, her thought process would be, but then later on the page, it would relate something to like the Philosopher's Stone or yeah. something else. She gets off the plane and... And is met by this limo driver who she strings along for the rest of this book without giving the second thought. Just nice. calling on him night and day to get her free rides because she's ignorant about whatever. It's really annoying. But he's in love with her and she's God. I I don't even know. But he when she gets off the plane and she's like, oh, I'll show you around town, I'll take you to Blimp Field. She goes, Blimp's girl in a field? You <laughs> You sent me you sent me a picture of that line in the book and we're just so angry. I that like, okay. Here's how I work, and th- we saw this a little bit in uh, an ap- earlier episode this season, where you give me a little inch of criticism. Like, if you put me in that mindset, I go a mile in that mindset. Sure, sure. And so, once this book lost me, which was page four, yeah. um, it was a slog to get through. Yeah, and it's a long book. It's and I'm a slow reader, well. oh. so it just annoyed me. Uh, you, you've suffered a long time for this. You've been waiting for This is your catharsis. And the... the The heartbreaking thing for me is that this is written – it's ghost written by a guy. And I know you have some background on this guy. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, launch into that a little bit. I I mean, you know, having found his website and read about him a little bit
0: and he – What's his name? I got it right here. Uh, Eric Shaw Quinn. Eric Shaw Quinn. Uh, You know, I – what I know is that he had – he was living in Hollywood. He had done some writing – Um, not a, not a whole lot of stuff. I think maybe he had written one other thing. Uh, Pamela Anderson basically hired him to write this book, or to write the books, and the way, the writing process, I think at least for Starstruck, maybe for Star as well, was he would come over to her her house, she would have her chef make them a huge breakfast or lunch or whatever, and they would eat, and she would just tell him stories about her career and what had happened in her life, and then he would take them and try and turn them into a story, and then they would just have a series of meetings like this that he would fictionalize. Um, I also know, like, he is he is gay. He is openly gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in the closet. Like, he wasn't out to everybody at the time. I think she knew. And then she outed him on TV when oh, promoting God. the book, uh, which that is something that he's sucks. mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not great. It's not great. Not what I would have done. Uh, but, you know, hey, whatevs. And, um, and now he lives in Canada and isn't really writing stuff anymore. I mean, I don't know, like... As as someone who who has done you know who who is a who writes professionally like not the kind of shit I want to do but like for yeah. you know advertising and stuff I I have been in plenty of cases where I could make the thing good but the person I'm working for uh, sure. has their yes. own ideas that makes it shitty so I, I don't, don't wanna... think that's
1: even limited to writing I mean yeah, that's any he, creative yeah, project yeah graphic right?
0: design web design anything yeah
1: so I, I don't want to burn
0: him on this but um yeah he that. You know, this basically came out of a series
1: of, of breakfast interviews. And at the end of the day, she has to approve it. Of course. You know, course, it's her yeah. name, it's her image, uh, everything that's on it. I mean, it's basically her story. She's the one that has to give the final, this looks good. So, you know, even though she didn't write it, yeah. it's on her still. I'm I'm interested that she red, white, and blue washed
0: her story and is born American in the story as opposed to being Canadian. Canadian, yeah. yeah
1: in real life. <laughs> I mean, I could go on and on and on about this. I figured one thing we should do is there there are a lot of ties to home improvement yeah, in it. And I, I feel like it's our job. We have to at least oh, call those of out. Of course, of
0: course. Yeah, tell me about that. There's virtually nothing about Hammer Time
1: in, oh, in mine. okay, great. Yeah, so... So she gets this. Uh, she accidentally gets an interview. She's going to meet this other guy that she's fucking uh, to meet him for lunch, and she walks into the wrong room and gets an audition. And then the audition gets her the job. Like, oh god, a lot of conflict there. Uh, anyhow, the the show ends up being Hammer Time, starring oh, yeah. Tim or uh, <laughs> starring Alan Thames. And um, meanwhile, she's like, you know, become super popular at Man Magazine. She's done. Uh, not only the cover, but she's the, at that point done the uh, uh, centerfold. Mm-hmm. So she's done full frontal nudity, all of this stuff in the book yeah. at this point. And by the way, about three-fourths of the way through this book, it just becomes an erotica. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it takes it's a, that long. It's a comedy, I guess, uh, up until that point. But like she's only had sex with one person until about halfway through the book. And then at about the three-fourths mark, she's just having... So much sex, and just describing it in excruciating detail. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It just takes a strange turn. Anyhow, there's a moment. Uh, I, I, I'm going to pull it. This is the only thing I'm going to read from this book. Um, <laughs> so there's this moment. She's done this full body spread centerfold while she is uh, on Hammer Time. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so everybody in the world knows about it. She's a tabloid star at this point. Mm-hmm. She walks on to the set of Hammer Time. And uh, where do I want to pick this up? Okay, so one day, uh, this is a quote from the book. Yeah. <clears throat> one day at the end of rehearsal, Star was making her way back to the dressing room when Alan called to her from the, uh, from the door at the end of the hall. Star, he stood silhouetted in the doorway wearing a mischievous smile and a plush white robe. Hey, Alan, what's up? She said, passing her door and taking a couple steps towards his. He dropped the robe and kicked it into his dressing room. Star stopped where she was, uncertain how to react. Alan smiled, extended his hands by his sides, and slowly turned so she got the whole 360. There, he said, as he came to face her again, I just thought it was only fair. And with a grin, he closed his door uh, to his dressing room. She could only laugh. Not bad, Alan, she said to herself as she returned to her dressing room. Not bad at all. Well... It's been a good podcast. <laughs> oh man. So Th- I that passage did- is problematic for me on multiple levels, as you can imagine. I mean let's
0: first first and foremost, let's not lend too much credence to yes. this being a thing that Tim Allen actually did. We do, like Though we did see him flash people this season. Although also, you know, also we
1: can't be sure that that was his
0: actual cock and it's balls. It's true. You're, right, you're he right. might have had funny underwear on.
1: I, I and I'm willing to give it that benefit of the doubt. But this was also like an example of that, like being so steeped in in the patriarchy and and like abusive behavior is the norm and just something to accept. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that it's just it's hard to to swallow. No yeah. pun intended. Landon, you and I
0: have. These books are similar, and we have similar problems with them. <laughs> wow, uh, there, there, there's like so many nuggets of things where yeah. it's like, wow, this could be really a good basis for like how she overcame this, yes. And came back from this, and how she like, and that could still be funny.
1: You know, I think it's empowering if you could, yeah, you, do, you know, talk about something real and make it funny.
0: Yeah, and I or it doesn't even have
1: to be funny. There can be parts that are sad. I man, right. that's okay. Well. So. I, don't, I don't think that this is an actual reference, but she becomes the spokesperson of Zach Beer, named after Zachary Taylor, the president, Zachary Ty Bryan, Brad Taylor, uh, sandwiched together, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and there's also a Randy in the book. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. He's not a serial killer. No, yeah, that's fine. Well, that we know of. <laughs> we know- what, what happens in your book? <laughs> well, there's actually some serial killers in my book. Oh, God. Yeah. So that, that's, uh, that's all I have to say about Star. Uh, I, I'm more than willing to let you take over the reins on the sequel.
0: Uh, well, um,
1: that gives me some important context for what happens in starstruck before, before we go into it. Can I ask you what your experience was not having this? Like, was it jarring and disjointed for you? I, I mean, it was, yes, the book was
0: jarring and disjointed, but I, I, I attribute most of that to how the book was written. <laughs> okay. The, this book is primarily, like, it alternates between kind of a 30,000 feet overview of, like, oh, Star did this. She spent weeks shooting uh, this movie, and she went on this press tour, and then it will zoom way the, way the hell in for... Star and Jimmy went out on the houseboat and stripped off their clothes bit by bit and then he lay her back and went down on her for this amount of time and then they brought out the honey. Like, it's... <laughs> Good God. It's really... It, it It alternates between kind of like, hey, here's just a rough overview of several months of her life. Yeah. She's working really hard. She and Jimmy are really in love. Uh, here's... Here's... Here's 10 pages of them having sex on a boat and they have... <laughs> they have a lot of sex on a lot of boats. If... <laughs> If you – this is the best book I have read about people fucking on boats. I don't think I have ever read more boat-oriented sex. Uh, I mean, that's not a challenge, though. Don't send me, like, like fetish fan fiction about boats having sex with each other. Yeah. I, you also
1: said you've never read Moby Dick. <laughs> very true. Very true. Lots of – Pequod, man, gets it on in that book. <laughs> Wait, The word dick is in the title. You know what you're
0: getting into. Um. The, Starstruck Begins, and I teased this uh, a little while you like ago. You did, and
1: the, the first uh, couple pages of your first chapter is in my book, as a preview. Oh, really? And I read one page of it, and it starts with her waking up with a 45 next to her, it, which... I don't know how you get from going into a bubble bath into this. I, well, Yeah, like, the first line of the book is,
0: Why do my nipples hurt, was Star's first thought as she woke from a strangely deep sleep, her hands <laughs> gliding along her naked body to the tender nipples that had awakened her. She She also st- got a a, a, a
1: she got uh, implants in this oh, book. Oh, boob
0: job? Oh, okay, okay. And the
1: conversation, deciding whether or not she should, was, she calls up her friend, says, I'm thinking about getting implants. Her friend's like, are you doing it for you, or are you doing it for the book? She's like, well, I'm not doing it for the book. Then you should do it. Okay, I will. And then immediately regretted it. Well, really? <laughs> and that's all they spend on it. Again, that could be also a thing to talk about. Yeah. Body image th- Okay,
0: so We're she, on your book now. No, no, that's like... So she she wakes up. She's in this hotel room in Cabo. She, is, she uh, finds herself with a massive diamond ring on her finger. She can't remember where she's been. She... Uh, Realizes that she's holding a Colt 45 in one of her hands. Like so she's woke up with her hand wrapped around this loaded gun, and then she's somehow. And also, she's been sleeping apparently on top of a dresser. Like she, <laughs> oh my god. She uh pushed back her hair. She tried to get her bearings. Struck herself on the forehead with the chrome handle of the Colt 45 she was holding in her right hand. She screamed and fell off the dresser where she'd been perched. The gun went off, taking out a glass table that had shattered into four-carat chunks of safety glass. Please tell me
1: that this is like a a shell for whatever the barbed wire movie was uh well i mean barbed wire is in this oh my god okay uh, barbed wire that's that must be the script that she was being forced to read at the end of this book for for the for the movie high volts h-y-v-o-l-t-z yep that is the name of this
0: yes this book is about the the fabled uh uh barbed wire period in pamela anderson's career (laughs) it's like picasso's blue period uh, everyone remembers where they were when when barbed wire came out. Everyone remembers the summer that America had barbed wire fever. Uh, so she is so she's hung over and she's she can't remember what happened. She, and there is this dude uh, tied to the bed. Uh, sure enough, that turns out to be Jimmy Deed. And so over the course of the first chapter, this book is very confusingly written in that a lot of chapters, not all chapters, it's not a full-on motif, but a lot of chapters will begin with her in some circumstances that don't match up to where we had seen her in the last chapter. And then the rest of the chapter is a series of flashbacks explaining how she got to the place we found her at the beginning. This isn't always the thing. They do it sometimes.
1: Flashbacks, also not my favorite thing.
0: Yeah, and this and so in this first chapter, we're flashing back and forward between her in the hotel room with Jimmy, nude, tied to the bed. They're both naked. Jimmy has a very large penis. That's about all. The two things I know about Jimmy Deed is that he is the worst human being in the
1: history of time, and he has a big dick. He uh, He has a song about his dick that is in my book. Oh, that's great. Oh, my penis has a first name. It's L-A-R-G-E. Wait. Oh, my penis has a second name. It's F-U-C-K-Me. Go on. <laughs> she sings the first strain of that in uh, in this book. Now
0: I see where it comes from. Uh, she is, yeah, so she's there with Jimmy. Jimmy explains to her that uh, he had followed her to Cabo for this photo shoot that she was doing. She explicitly said not to. Oh, well, he explicitly did. He followed her down there. Uh, Stalker. Yeah, stalked her down there. Called her room repeatedly. Eventually, badgered her into meeting uh, him for drinks. Them having drinks turns into like a three day bender of of just alcohol. They make margaritas in Jimmy's mouth. A bunch of her friends are there. A bunch of his friends are there. Uh, At one point, he gives her ecstasy, and then they then they go on this ecstasy bender. They're fucking on the beach, dude. They, you got all the conflict. No, this is all, like, just a very uh, high-level overview of all of this. I mean, it's not... Because it's not conflict. She's just going along with it happily. Like, she's not resisting. So there's no... Okay,
1: no dips, no, like... Okay, she's just... She's game for it. Yeah,
0: she's game. This is all the... Again, this is all just sort of overview. Like, this is what happened over the three days. So they, they... Uh, they have all this time, this bender together, which at one point after I think she gives him a blowjob under the water while they're in the surf, he asks her to marry her. And so they get married. They get married, uh, on the beach. She's, like, wearing a white bikini. I- that's one of- they don't actually- like, this is stuff that he is telling her. Like, she doesn't remember getting married to this man. He just explains this to her in the hotel. We don't even, as the audience- we don't even see this actually happening we hear it recounted to us while they're naked in the bedroom they fuck a couple times between flashbacks of course uh she's like she's like jerking him off really slowly to get him to give her more details whatever uh but so we don't even see this even though their relationship defines the entire book uh they so they get married they buy a gun in advance of the wedding i think because cuz uh star wants to like steal a ring so they go to a mexican gun shop to buy a gun Fun fact, Mexico has very strict gun control laws. You can't just buy... You can't. It's illegal to own a handgun in Mexico. You have to be a member of a gun club if you want to have a rifle. And even then, you can only have it at the... So, fuck this book. It totally... <laughs> they missed out on all the research of the Mexican legal system. Anyway, they, they buy the gun because they're going to steal the, the ring, I suppose. But they wind up just buying it because they're both phenomenally wealthy. Uh, so, anyway, they, they... Over the course of the first chapter... She gets brought up to speed. We the audience get brought up to speed on everything that's happened and how she and Jimmy happen to be married. He's followed her down there. They're obsessed with each other. They're in love. And she explains to him, uh, at one point that, oh, there's this there was this person who's been following me. Uh he's been uh let's see. This guy spends his whole life following me around taking pictures of me, posting them on this website, it's like his career or something. He has pictures of me going to work, going to the store. Uh he has pictures of me sleeping, it's like he's stealing my life. Was this in the first book? No. Some well, stalker? I mean, wait, say this again. Some guy has been stalking her, taking photos of her. Uh, oh yeah, no, that's website. not. At all.
1: I mean, Jimmy Deeds is the only one that is stalking her in this book. I mean, the the paparazzi is there, but she kind of like. And her biggest conflict with it is that she's on the front of tabloids, and her mom calls her, and is like, "Are you really drunk at the grocery store?" So, That's it. Okay. Okay. Okay.
0: Well, then this is ridiculous. So they have they have sex, and then after finishing having sex, they also have a camcorder in the room, which they've been they use throughout the book to record themselves having sex. This whole book is erotica, <laughs> all the way. It doesn't change three quarters <laughs> of the way through. It is only erotica. Oh. They finish having sex. They spot somebody on the balcony outside their twentieth story window. They go running out there with the gun, and it's, I guess, this is the creepy photographer who's been following her around, taking all these pictures. He's climbed up on a rope ladder to this 20th story. So, he is, they catch him when he is trying to climb down the rope ladder, and they, like, grab him. He's, like, hanging onto the railing. So, they film him with the video camera. They, this takes place over the course of, like, one total page between them finding him and how this ends. Like, it's just a brief overview Uh, The two spent the next few minutes forcing the intruder to admit what he was doing and how he got into his present predicament While the man pleaded for his life, Star got his name and ID as a souvenir Uh, Satisfied they were at a loss for what to do next The idea seemed to occur to the two of them at once On three, Jimmy said, taking her hand in his, Star nodded One, they said together, each peeling a finger from the railing as Jimmy continued to film Two, another finger Three, with a scream and a wail, the man fell from view, past the 20 stories of hotel, down the cliffs and into the rocks hundreds of feet below. The crashing waves swept him out to sea. Chairman, I have a question for you. Ask me the question, Landon. Did
1: Pamela Anderson commit murder?
0: Well, <laughs> well, Landon, I just don't know. But what I do know is that this is, this is the end of the first chapter. This murder that they committed
1: yeah. does not get revisited. For most of the they're 100s. not arrested. It doesn't take like a Sid and Nancy turn, Bonnie and Clyde. Well, it does. Oh, here's okay. the th- but it takes
0: 160 pages. The bulk of the book, I've gone into a lot of detail, and now I'm going to 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 whiz past because there's not a whole lot of it. Like most of the book from there, she like the next chapter is her going to the High Volts premiere. High Volts okay. is the like, or it's the
1: announcement at Cannes that they're going to make the movie. Oh, uh, fantastic line she has in my book, which is, uh. What's a can? Yeah, oh god. What? Go. Okay. Go on. Uh, she's cast in High Volts. She is
0: shooting High Volts. She's doing Lifeguards Incorporated. She and Jimmy are completely more in love than any two people ever have been. They are practically inseparable. They are inseparable. They are completely codependent. This relationship is very toxic, yeah. although it's not portrayed that way. Uh Star right. Star spends about 100 pages uh renovating her mansion. That's just kind of a big part, is just the renovations on the mansion. And that's
1: really... Her big conflict... Does she fuck the contractors? Because she definitely screws the guy that is uh, uh, looking after the cars oh. in the mansion she stays at when she first gets to Los Angeles. Well, I mean, good kind of... Offhandedly. Doesn't like... Just just for, just for yeah. no emotions. One This girl who has slept with only one person her entire life gets to Los Angeles and has sex with five people almost immediately. That's that's what I did as soon as I got to LA. And that's not... I, uh, To be clear, that's not me criticizing people who like to have sex or have multiple partners. That's me criticizing a character that is completely contrary to itself.
0: Yeah, exactly. A character who goes from being chased to uh, being chased by men. Yeah. uh, Or chasing men, whatever. She doesn't fuck the contractors, however, at one point, uh, they- she is- Jimmy is watching porn in the living room and calls her over to look because he has spotted one of their contractors in the porno. And then their reaction to this is to start pouring honey on each other and having sex. Of course it is. Yeah, that's normal stuff. (laughs) Uh, So her big conflict is... Uh, you know, she's under so much stress because she's on Lifeguards Incorporated, she's on Hammer Time, she's shooting high volts, and she's trying to renovate her mansion. And she's so in love with Jimmy. And she and Jimmy just never have enough time together. Yeah. They're just always trying to get some time together. Such relatable problems. Star and Jimmy are, by all accounts, horrible human beings. They are terrible. <laughs> they are yeah. garbage. She's been cast in this movie, High Volts, in the lead role. She, is, But but she is constantly sabotaging the production. There's one There's one bit where... They're, like, calling her, like, hey, we're, you know, we're here to pick you up for, to, to go to set, and she's, like, not even ready, she's still in bed, and she's, like, okay, I'll be right down, and then she, like, hangs up the phone and, like, curls up next to Jimmy again, and it's just, like, ha, 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 that's Star. At one point, like, there's all these chapters that end with, like, but then they, they concocted the ultimate plan for their escape, and then I'm, like, okay, so the murders are gonna come back. No, it's just, she and Jimmy go out on a boat. Uh, like in the middle of Lake Havasu, they're constantly running from the paparazzi. <laughs> paparazzi constantly after them, but it's always they're always fleeing. And it's not that they're fleeing like the consequences of murdering the person. That's not even on their mind. It's they're fleeing the paparazzi and they're fleeing her obligations to st- to be on set for the movie that she made that she signed up to make. She's getting paid for, <laughs> so she repeat like the movie is a disaster. The production is a disaster because of her. Uh, on Lifeguards Incorporated, Jimmy will routinely show up uh, and completely wreck a day's shooting because he's so jealous that if she is shooting a scene with another man, like a romance scene with a man, he will come, he'll intimidate the crew, he'll do burnouts in his car to ruin all their takes, like, and, and honk his horn. He is so completely possessive. After they fir- When he first comes to her house after they get married, he finds men's clothes in the house, he comes bursting into the bathroom, dumping the clothes into the bath, screaming at her, calling her a horror. so incensed that she's had relationships with men in the past. And it's played as a, a comedy. Sort of. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, scene, it's like... Right? It's played as a sweet moment where she talks to him about it, and then he cools down a little. I Okay. So they... And and I mean they were they see I mean of course every time that they try to get away from it all I mean at one point when they go out on Lake Havasu they have a sex scene where they pour uh, pina coladas all over each other and fuck while well, the boat is traveling in circles in the middle of the lake later on then Jimmy decides that he wants to videotape someone else having sex with Star so they pick up a dock boy from the marina go out in the middle of the lake uh, he's fooling around with Star and they're get you know doing all the foreplay. And he's just about to start having sex with her when then Jimmy gets filled with rage and jealousy, grabs this kid. He's like, I don't know, 20 or something. This this guy they've brought in to cuckold. Uh, throws <laughs> he, throws this guy naked off of the boat into the middle of the lake. And then they just... Down 20 stories. <laughs> into the ocean. And they just motor away from this guy who they've left naked in the middle of the lake in the middle of the night, laughing at him, and then fuck on their own. So
1: a potential double homicide.
0: Yes, I mean, how do you feel about reading a story about such shitty people? I feel horrible. Beca- yeah. Because at one point, Star's mother falls ill and dies. In the, By in the movie. way,
1: her mother... I don't know if you got her parents' names in this. No, I don't think so. Lucy and Ricky. Ah. Oh. <laughs> great. Yep. Great. You only stole from the
0: oldest sitcom in the world. <laughs> her, her mother um, falls ill and dies, which is described over the course of two and a half pages... Uh, her mom's last words to her are, remember, it's your choice who you are. Star is a shitty person. She killed someone. Yeah, maybe she shouldn't have that choice anymore. Uh, furthermore, uh, so her mom dies, gets two and a half pages. Later on, <laughs> uh, Star's dog, Muttley, Muttley? dies. Oh, Aw, Muttley. Now... Th- this throws star into so much grief that she is unable to move or speak and they spend an entire chapter talking about the process of scattering mutley's ashes at sea from you guessed it a boat uh <laughs> so so way more tears yeah. shed over her dog they than her mother. they should have done it over jetpacks Ab- well yes with how much <laughs> money they have um, at one point, while shooting high volts, Star suffers an ovarian cyst and then finds out not only that she was pregnant, but that she had miscarried. So, um, so this is a very like that chapter ends on this very sad note with Jimmy consoling her, and then to um, kind of try and fix things and try and get things right, they ch- they go out on a friend's yacht that is literally named the Tits and have sex repeatedly. Oh so my God. that's how you deal with that trauma. But the point is, the the bulk of this book is her. Reneging on her on her commitments to the movie High Volts, which nonetheless becomes the most successful action movie in America, which I don't think is 100% true, what happened with Barbed Wire. No. It's, it's her, her shitty... It's fictionalized, though. <laughs> yes, true. It's her shitty, uh, dysfunctional, codependent relationship repeatedly sabotaging the TV show she's on. The, so mm-hmm. the movie and the TV show are the source of the millions and millions of dollars she has, this incredible wealth. So Jimmy sabotaging that show and her just like haha whatever at one point they the there's an extended subplot where the producers of the show have to concoct this elaborate ruse suggesting that uh that her love interest on the show is gay that the actor is gay so that Jimmy won't flip out and like ruin everything <laughs> <They're-> <laughs> They're so, concocting a three's company scenario. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Just so they can avoid a, uh, avoid a third murder. Yes. in In the middle of all of this, there are occasionally scenes where it's Star and Jimmy late at night, like dumping a bag into the water or burying some object in the woods, and them having a weird conversation. These are little brief things. In the last ten pages of the book. Oh boy. We, uh, you know, they they look out the door of their mansion. This is after so many parties, so much drugs, so much sex, stuff that just goes nowhere and means nothing. They look out the door and they see the cops, like, a huge, huge army of police outside. And as we find out in these last ten pages, throughout the book, they've been secretly killing members of the paparazzi, mutilating their bodies and dumping them at sea. The two of them together, like Bonnie and Clyde, they've been been—they've been killing people for this whole book. This boring fucking book about two people renovating their mansion and having sex with each other and throwing, you know, huge, huge opulent parties. They've also been secretly murderers, and they weren't letting us in on that. They weren't telling us about—it could have been American—this book would have been awesome if they were talking about the murders. So, and again— Star, only... Remember, it's your choice who you are. Star has chosen to be a serial killer. So, so the cops are out there. Uh, they have The only reason that the cops figured out about this is because Star's brother... Uh, ha, like, Star and Jimmy have videotaped all the murders for some reason, and also lots and lots of sex. Uh, Star's brother has come out to stay with her in the last quarter of the book, and he has found the videotapes and taken them to the police, into the media. And in and Starr's brother is portrayed as such a like conniving backstabbing shitty little snake for alerting the authorities to the fact that murders are happening. So the the cops are out there, they jump in their car, they go they go driving out and they lead the cops on this on this huge uh, police chase down the down the Pacific Coast Highway they are calling into news shows they're like making glib commentary the whole time they're calling into news shows they say something like uh, sc- you know screw everybody who isn't us which is which is literally something that Cersei Lannister says <laughs> and so they they all of this they wind up then like at some dead end or like at the edge of a, a cliff and rather than Bonnie and Clyding it also Jimmy has a gun at this point he's got a gun so uh, they I guess they they try to go off the cliff, but the car stalls out or something, so they jump out of the car to run. uh, And the cops are coming at them, and Jimmy lifts his gun. The cops shoot Jimmy. Yay, LAPD! I 100% thank you. Thank you to our boys in blue for killing this awful man, putting him out of his misery. Also, Star has revealed to him in the last moments before he's dead that she actually is pregnant. She, this whole time through the cop chase... Oh, the whole time through the cop chase, she's saying like, I, I, Jimmy, I have something to tell you. And he's like, not now, babe. And she's like, okay, you're just driving around really fast, like taking all these risks. We could die at any time. I won't mention that I'm carrying your child while the cops are chasing us. So the last, the very last scene in the book, the very last moment in the book is her, her getting, her getting arrested by the police. I love you, Jimmy. She whispered, I'll always love you. End of book.
1: Now, I know that we're doing a podcast, and my words are the things that people have to listen to. I just don't have any for this thousand-yard stare you've sent me into. This book makes no sense. It makes no goddamn sense. I'm a completionist, and there was a a big part of me, even nearing the end of this of star where i was like maybe i'll have to read starstruck i'm not going to i'm just gonna flat out say if anything maybe maybe these books will finally break my compulsion to complete everything sometimes you
0: gotta you gotta call it quits man sometimes like for me this was easy so much of the book is sex
1: you can kind of skim those <laughs> right like, i don't need to read every detail of how big yeah. jimmy's it's cock not is. it's not the uh the hurt locker of erotica where there's actually narrative plot points happening in the action
0: <laughs> the <laughs> the erotica version of the hurt locker is the pert knockers <laughs> stole that from 30 rock there um, you go. yeah i mean my bi- here my biggest thing So the kind of central conflict, if there is one in this book, is between Star and Jimmy and the paparazzi. All Star and Jimmy want is a a demand that they make even to the police and the media as they're being chased at the end. We just want to be left alone. But your publicity, being public figures, is how you have become unfathomably wealthy.
1: And that is what you were literally pursuing. So you can't pursue life in the public eye... And then proclaim that you want to be left alone.
0: You know, and we learn... We really... I never really get a sense for why Star is famous. She doesn't seem to be... Like, aside from being beautiful... (laughs) I think a lot of people would say that about Pamela Anderson... Well... Back in the 90s, anyway. Like, she's not a great actress. I think even that much is admitted. Like, she's not really into, into acting... Jimmy is supposedly a musical genius. We never really get any sense of, like, why or how. Like, it's mainly just the rock star partying. Well, did you hear
1: that wonderful song about his dick? I, I mean, be- like, it's right for a, a jingle for, uh, you know, it, hot dogs. Yeah, yeah. Well, certainly, yes.
0: <laughs> uh, almost as though it was plagiarized. You know, uh, two other, th- okay, a couple other things to mention, though. Uh, so, again, Star's mother dying gets, hmm. Two and a half pages of of screen time. The murder that they commit at the beginning, about a page. Uh, There is probably a two to three page section where she tells a story to Jimmy about how she just, how Star just can't grow pubic hair. She just naturally doesn't have pubic hair. How she was trying to do a nude shoot and the director wanted her to have pubic hair, but it's just like, yeah, I just naturally don't really grow it. And so we even had to wait a couple weeks and it just wasn't there because I just don't grow pubic hair. Oopsie. So that gets more... Is that a real thing?
1: I mean, I hear I, guys complain about not being able to grow a beard. I, I, I've never heard that with pubic hair. My
0: speculation is that she's one of the first X-Men um, <laughs> with just a terrible, <laughs> terrible power. Uh, so there's this big section, you know, there's like three pages. She, she spends more time talking about her absence of pubic hair, her natural absence of pubic hair, than she does about the murder of an innocent person. Well, yeah, a murder of yeah. a mostly innocent person at the beginning of the book.
1: Well, innocent uh, in terms of being murdered.
0: Yeah, certainly. No one need, Like, this isn't... It wasn't like they found him, like, molesting a child. <laughs> this is someone who was taking pictures of them. <laughs> and they spent... There is an entire chapter in this book. One full chapter that, is, that consists of a conversation between Star and her three uh, gay makeup assistants where they are teaching her in detail about how to properly prepare yourself for anal sex.
1: Oh boy. The, the death of Star's I, mother I'm, is a page and a half. The fact that these books have invited this conversation onto our podcast is also something I am starting to have a little disdain for. Our podcast is usually bullshit, but this even more so. <laughs> so um you know, I'm sorry
0: that our last Pam's Corner has to be this way. Uh but I'm gonna I'm gonna say that if you read only one book this year. Uh, make sure that it's The Goldfinch by Donna Tart. Wonderful book. I believe it won the <laughs> Pulitzer Prize. Moved me to tears many times. Really, a uh, 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 kind of like heartrending, uh, uh, great expectations style story of mm-hmm. a young boy's life in post 9 11 America. Um,
1: don't read Starstruck. Jesus Christ, don't read Starstruck. <laughs> I will recommend um, that you read The People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn. Oh, rebel. <laughs> Or, so extreme. Um, how about you read uh, anything else? Read, uh, read a technical manual <laughs> for
0: a <laughs> 1973 Dodge Dart. <laughs> yes. Uh,
1: I, no. I'll give. It, I'll give a r- real recommendation because I feel like uh, this is the only way to vindicate myself from this awful Pam's Corner has turned into a Pam's Hole. I feel <laughs> like. Well, the Pam, Pam's Hole gets a lot of use in these books too. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so to dig my way out of this hole. Um, I will recommend House of Leaves. Oh, okay. If you want a very esoteric, uh, somewhat terrifying, somewhat interesting, still involving a little bit of erotica, but also terrifying stuff about a house that shouldn't exist. Okay. So there you go. That sounds great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know what's left of my soul now. Having I feel good that we've been able to exercise.
1: I'm glad that the reading Pamela Anderson's novel stage in our lives is over. Here's what we're going to do. I, I do this in protest, but I'm still going to do it. I'm putting both Star and Starstruck in our Tool Time corner. <sighs> Pam's corner has entered Tool Time corner. And they are they are there with Don't Stand Too Close to a Naked Man, which is more the moral of these books than probably Tim <laughs> Allen's book. <laughs> I'm being perfectly honest. Oh, cut print. That's it. <laughs> That's all. That's all there is, folks. And our other Tool Time stuff. Oh, Jesus. This has been the final Pam's Corner, and I never thought I'd say this, but thank God. Yeah. (laughs) We did as much as we could with this. (laughs) Well, I guess this is... (laughs) um, as good of a spot as any to to cut until next week uh, yeah. for part two of our super spectacular.
0: Leave you leave you wanting just a little bit more, just like uh, Star did to that uh, Harbor Boy who they picked up for a little menage a trois on the boat. We're, we've got you <laughs> almost there, and then it's like, wait for more podcast. Is it creepy yet? <laughs>
1: it's way creepy. I, I'm it's way creepy. like, yeah. I, I'm I didn't think we could get any creepier than we just got, <laughs> but we got there. Um, all right, guys. Well, so stay tuned next week for the second half of our big spectacular here. Uh, so what what do people have to look forward to next week?
0: Okay, so in part two of the Grunt Works Season 2 Super Finale Spectacular, should have thought of that about ahead of time. <laughs> A palooza. A palooza, yes, yes, <laughs> fest. Uh, you can expect an interview with Ooh. special guest Eric Montgomery of Fan oh. Theory World. He'll be joining us to uh, talk a little bit about some of the fan theories from this past season that were hot, and some of the fan theories from our past season that were not hot. <laughs> uh, right. <coughs> a veritable uh, early prototype of Facebook.com. Uh, we are also going to be going over some of our favorite moments from the season, yep. favorite
1: episodes. Guest star. MVPs. Oh, yes. And, and don't forget you can uh, vote on our Twitter right now for uh, the People's Choice MVP oh yes um, that is a poll that's going for the next uh, week or so I think Richard Carn is in the lead right now oh so, really yeah uh, turn the tides if you guys really want someone different you can find us at uh, grunt work pod we've also launched a merchandise page filled to the brim with curated home improvement uh, merchandise, obviously, that's what you put on a merchandise page. I mean, we
0: could we could have freaked him out and put something else <laughs> on there. We could have put a bunch. Of, we could have put all of my handmade Fraser merchandise
1: up there. Hey, it's, I'd buy some of that. It's very exclusive. Um, so, if you are looking. To get uh, star or starstruck, um, do so at your own risk. But know that getting it through our website also helps us keep the lights on and the mics plugged in.
0: It, it helps to do. It helps to to create something good out of all of the hurt and pain
1: and torment that you will give yourself by reading those <laughs> books. Uh, lastly, if you enjoy our show, please share it wherever you can. That means social media places. That means uh, word of mouth. Tell your parents. Tell your little siblings. Uh, well, not
0: not too young. Let's have like a cutoff at like 17 maybe. <laughs> like we don't want kids listening to this Listen, show. We talk about a lot of sexy the stuff. The
1: internet exists for kids that are under – well, you're right. Yeah, you're right. We, we want to be responsible. Yeah, yeah. Kids are going to find it if they want to find it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just like – Drugs, just like drugs. That's what grunt work is nothing if not like drugs. Yes, like when Huey <laughs> Lewis said,
0: "I want a new drug." He meant I want to listen to part two of the grunt work super spectacular.
1: You can also follow us in all the various social media places, uh, which is at Grunt Work Pod. That's uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I think that's about it. Yeah. Well, with that for part one of this grunt work super spectacular, I've been Truman Caps, and I've been Landon Solano, and this has been. Grunt work.
0: Uh, I think
1: my 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 goal for season three is to start incorporating more more impressions. Yeah, yeah,
0: well, more impressions. You're you're like, Well, because to... you you take the grunt of the the grunt of the <laughs> the brunt no we're replacing the word brunt with grunt now that's 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 our mission for season three um
1: yeah you take the brunt of the impression uh burden i think i'm gonna i have a very limited range of them though so do i that doesn't stop me yeah i could do like walter cronkite i could do uh marlon brando and the godfather okay okay um that's about it.
0: Well, we can do well, but that's the thing that we could like I we can do Andy Rooney and Walter Cronkite hanging out with Marlon Brando. I mean, that's the <laughs> you know what I like about the Godfather part three wasn't that
1: good? I wasn't in that one.
0: <laughs>
1: so I don't really care.
0: You know what I like about bisexual actors? They have sex with both
1: people, and that has been the news for <laughs> April sixteenth, two thousand and eighteen. Walter Cronkite has left the building.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man.